This is the Trophy Drawer. Live with Justin Freakin. Welcome to the Troll Patrol live. It's a freaking Monday. I've not been high in like hours. Oh yeah, I forgot to tell everybody in the Discord. Since we're still getting back to our normal schedule, I'm throwing out the shout out to everyone in the Discord. So I've been pretty consistent like the past month. All right, we gotta get something out of the way. First things first. I woke up this morning to hundreds of comments. <laughs> so I made fun of their little country boy last night. And then I clipped that uh, segment, put it up on the YouTube, put it up on the TikTok, on the Twitter. I got interaction on a video I put up on Twitter. That never happens. They got big mad over me mocking their uh, their little country boy. Singing the song, The uh, the Rich Men North of Richmond. Well, we got to clear something up. I've learned something from the comment section of that video. Right-wingers are not aware that welfare was the name of a specific program. And that program is now known as TANF, T-A-N-F, the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families. That's what the welfare, that was the name of a program morphed into the system we now know as TANF. This was signed into law by Bill Clinton. What you idiots are not getting is that you are using the term welfare as a catch-all for any government assistance. Jeff, good evening, my friend. Welcome. So glad to see you. I've not been high in hours. I gotta, I gotta fix that. I think I gotta pack a new one. I mean, okay, so colloquially, I always fuck that word up. Colloquially, people can use welfare as a term for government assistance. Okay. But I even had a woman tell me that Social Security was welfare. And that the earned income tax credit was welfare. Right-wingers, right-wingers. What you are doing is the classic mistake. Like, you are calling um, a tissue a Kleenex. All right? So, Kleenex is the name brand. And a tissue is just, like, what the object is called. I missed you, Jeff. I missed everybody when I was when I was off, when I was sporadic. I'm so glad to be back on the regular. I need to hit this. Let me hit you with your meme of the day. Oh, shit. Hit the wrong button. Lady that got hit with the folding chair out here looking like a Lady Elaine Fairchild from Mr. Rogers. <laughs> that, that killed me. 
This is the lady that got hit with the folding chair in the Montgomery Riverfront Brawl. That was about a week ago. Was it two weeks ago? A week ago. I'm I'm bad with time. I'm I'm bad when it comes to numbers. Anything with numbers really really fucks with me. You take your 33 and a third chance minus my 25 percent chance, and you got an eight and a third chance of winning. Hell, I wouldn't know what day it is most of the time if I didn't do this stream. We, <laughs> I can't believe I'm having to say this. I'm having to come on to the stream and tell you that the Montgomery Riverfront Brawl was not caused by witchcraft. <laughs> Apparently that is a uh, conspiracy theory that has been going around on the internet that the Montgomery Riverfront Brawl was caused by witchcraft. We're also going to have to debunk another conspiracy coming to us out of Hawaii where apparently idiot-ass right-wingers are circulating a video of a SpaceX launch saying it is a gigantic space laser or some shit and that's what ignited the fires in Maui. Idiots. Idiots. I wish they could learn to feel embarrassment. You know, I don't know if they worked Antifa into it, but it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me at all. I, but like, I didn't know they, they had already come up with conspiracy theories. We were talking about the fires last night. And I wasn't aware that they had already come up with conspiracies. And uh, you guys in the chat threw that one at me. Uh, and then I saw it in the USA Today today. Was anybody else hoping for a Trump indictment today? I kind of I kind of expected it to be tomorrow. I think it's going to be tomorrow. Might be Thursday. The grand jury met today. We're gonna we're gonna cover all of that. Key witnesses seen outside of the Georgia courthouse. A fake document actually leaked online stating that uh, stating that it was the indictment. Uh, the the court has addressed that document, which apparently wasn't real. There were a couple, okay, so in my video that I cut up, like the little short clip, uh, there's a dude getting hit with the chair, but then uh, that person walks over with the chair, and I think this woman was sitting down, and then he just whacks right in her face. Six, good evening. And I believe that's, I believe that's how it happened. So, uh, like, I make mention of the dude taking the chair shot like Mick Foley because he kind of stumbles around. But then the guy with the chair goes over just whack right in her face. And I believe he's been arrested. I think he was the only person uh, from the from the other side of the group to be arrested. And probably, uh, you know, the chair is probably assault with a deadly weapon. I can understand that, but the cops, if you go back and watch the video, the cops kind of, uh, they, they let the group take care of it. 
them uh, them white people, they deserved what they got. And apparently went into the hospital and was showing their ass. Now, I haven't seen anything that can confirm this. This is just hearsay. But as I understand, now it could just be a complete rumor, but apparently they went into the hospital and started throwing down N-bombs. Montgomery. I can't wait to read this article to you. We apparently have a new whistleblower, and this one, this one might actually give us something. This whistleblower is telling us that the FBI is not actually biased against Trump, but the FBI went to great lengths to protect Trump. Was insistent on opening investigations into Hunter Biden schlong. Well, preventing an investigation into Rudy Giuliani. Killing footage out of Kansas today where a newspaper was raided. Sparking First Amendment concerns. Apparently, the brawl between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg is off. It appears that Elon Musk is a coward. Speaking of cowards, Steven Crowder addresses the rumors. I don't know what the rumors are. It's just a bit. It was like a four minute video. It's like, I finally addressed the rumors. Could be clickbait. We'll find out. We'll find out when we get to the end of the show. The left is already attacking Oliver Anthony. I know this because I did it last night on the show. (laughs) But Dan Bongino, Dan Bongino is upset that the left is already attacking old country boy. Oh. Apparently, I said there was multi-million dollar production behind him. And I pointed out that the microphone was $1,000 or more. And somebody in the comments thought that was kind of a contradiction. It was a $1,000 mic. I was like, you know, the mic was plugged into other things, right? Radio WV, I tried to do... So that's the group that went and filmed him. I tried to do a little uh, digging into them. I can't find any information on them. They just appeared in like 2019. Because you hear Radio West Virginia, or Radio WV, you kind of assume that's public radio. That was my first thought. It is not. It is some sort of collective... And I can't find any information on them. Also adding to the whole, sounds kind of sus. The sussy psyop, if you ask me. Republicans in Alabama are refusing to create a second majority black district defying a court order. Arkansas will no longer recognize 
an AP studies class, when I tell you what class it is, it will come as a shock to no one. Going to take you to Portland, Maine, where a lawsuit is going forward. Which is apparently pretty damning for the clergy in Maine. Surprise, surprise. Mysterious plume. I don't even remember what it did. That's all. All I wrote on my notes was mysterious plume. I think like three houses caught on fire or some shit. I don't know. We'll find out when we get there. All that and more tonight on the Troll Patrol live. Mysterious plume. Mysterious plume. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. I've not seen anybody on kick. Where's the kick uh, contingency? And I never know who's over on kick. The kick numbers don't show up in my counter down here. So I never know how many people are actually watching this bitch. Good evening to you. Am I am I on kick tonight? I should be. <laughs> we go make sure. Man, I can't believe the caller we had last night tried to call me back multiple times last night. Hick seems to be going. Nobody's over there. Maybe they're busy tonight. Three damned. In my opinion, you show me a clergy... I will show you somebody that you should be sus. You should be sus about. Is that how you use it? I'm I, I'm trying to make myself sound cool by saying sus. I might be misusing it. Are you ready to get to the Trumpy news? That's the bulk of what we're going to be talking about tonight. I've got some really interesting shit. The first thing that we're going to talk about is the leak of the document that uh, appeared to be wrong kick, wrong kick, Jeff. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh, I know what you're talking about. Different kind of kick. I thought it was the same thing. I thought it was like the same company or some shit, but apparently it's not. Uh, and the and the kick we're on has a C in it. It's a kick with a C. <laughs> I uh, I had a friend back in the day, a girl I used to see. Her name was Crystal with a K. There was no K. There was no K in her name. Apparently, it was some kind of joke I didn't get. I DJ'd her high school prom or some shit. I was like 18 or 19. Like, I was just out of high school. And I DJ'd her prom. Or it might have been like a homecoming dance or something. And that's how I met her. And I made some... And then, like, 20 years later, like, we're still friends on Facebook and shit. 
and I made some comment about creepy guys with young girls. And she was like, uh-huh, you, you're one to talk? And I was like, I was 18 when I was DJing your dance. <laughs> and she was like, no, I was talking about your girlfriend. And I was like, I was 19 when I was dating her. Makes my head look shaved again. It is, I've been, that's, um, I've been lazy. I need to shave my head again. I am not growing my hair back out yet. It's still bald boy summer. Also, Libertad, good evening. Good evening, my friend. You got here just in time. We're getting ready to talk about a giant pile of shit. His name is Donald Trump. Georgia court clerk dubs mystery document in Trump's case fictitious. So the Fulton County, Georgia court clerk's office addressed Monday what it called a fictitious document that Reuters reported had been briefly posted on the court's website indicating charges against former President Trump for his attempts at overturning the 2020 election loss in the state. But the clerk's office failed to provide any information on how the document in the high-profile case ended up on its court website, which Reuters reported had been taken down without explanation. The document appears to outline multiple criminal charges against Trump and Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis's probe of the former president's efforts to subvert the state's 2020 election results and to stay in power. In a statement, the court said it was aware of a fictitious document that had been circulated online and reported by various media outlets related to the Fulton County Special Purpose Grand Jury. The statement never addresses Trump specifically, but a Special Purpose Grand Jury was put in place to investigate the case expected to be brought by Willis. As the custodian of various county records, the clerk of the courts understands the sensitivity of all court filings, especially those that are at the forefront of the national spotlight and remains committed to operating with an extreme level of efficiency, accuracy, and transparency. The Hill has requested comment from the court clerk's office. NBC and Reuters have reported on the statement. Reuters issued a clarification to its report that indicated Trump had been indicted in Georgia in connection with his efforts to overturn the state's 2020 election. The report was widely circulated on social media and prompted the court to issue a statement shooting it down. In a clarification posted online shortly after, Reuters said the court's website briefly posted a document on Monday listing several criminal charges against Trump before taking the document down without explanation. I saw it from Rebecca Jones. I even saved the document. The document was dated August 14th, the Wire and News Service said. See, I did not see Reuters post it. Reuters, much more credible than seeing Rebecca Jones post it. I, there is some indication that Rebecca Jones might be a grifter. I'm still holding out my uh, judgment. I've been leaning towards grifter, but I've kind of pulled that back. He was vindicated with the cooking the books numbers with DeSantis. But there was some question about whether she was anywhere actually close to those numbers.
Reuters was not immediately able to determine why the item was posted or removed. As of Monday evening, members of the grand jury overseeing the case were still hearing evidence and had not voted on whether to indict the former president. Oh, but Atlanta is bracing for that very thing to happen, possibly this week. I'm outside the Fulton County Courthouse in downtown Atlanta, where prosecutors this morning began presenting their investigation into whether former President Donald Trump and his allies illegally meddled in the 2020 election to a grand jury. We don't know much about what's going on inside that room, but former Democratic State Senator Jen Jordan left the courthouse late morning. She had been subpoenaed to testify in front of the grand jury, and she said that she answered questions for about 40 minutes. We also know that former- Flash, Democratic good evening. State Representative B. Wynn and Gabriel Sterling, a, an official in the Secretary of State's office, also have been seen at the courthouse this morning. Otherwise, it seems like it's pretty much business as usual in the courthouse, except for the fact that there are journalists all in every hallway and, and around every corner. There is also a huge media presence outside where there are security, or security barriers set up around the courthouse, and uh, at least one street in front of the courthouse is blocked off to cars. I'm, I'm assuming it's not mind games because like a court wouldn't do that to try to play with a defendant or anything. Uh, it could be an honest mistake. Uh, the weird thing is, is like the grand jury is still meeting. So just the, that document wouldn't even be in existence yet is the weird thing. I, because you like, they wouldn't know what the charges are. You know, they don't know what they're going to charge him with until the grand jury returns the indictment. So it's very odd. Very odd. But not getting a lot of indication from the courthouse. Witnesses. Known witnesses in the... You heard one of them mentioned by that news report. We're going to go to 11 Alive. Hopefully, it's my buddy, Nick Wooten. God, I hope it's Nick Wooten. Um, he witnesses in the probe into whether former President Donald Trump interfered in the 2020 presidential election testified Monday. Starts now. And breaking now at 6, you are taking a live look at the Fulton County Courthouse surrounded by cameras and security. Everyone bracing for potential indictments. I can't make it big. Former President Donald Trump and other Republican leaders. Today, we watched some of the biggest names in Georgia politics file in and out of the building. And at least two say they were set to testify tomorrow, but were called in early today. That includes independent journalist George Cheney, a critical witness in investigating uh, what Georgia's uh, alternate electors and former Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan, who we're told entered the grand jury room, but it is not clear if either have testified at this point. Tonight, we have team coverage of everything that's happened at the courthouse over the past several hours and what is yet to come. We begin this evening with Doug Richards with more on today's key witnesses. Doug. Yeah, for those of us uh, trying to read the signals from inside the secret grand jury proceedings inside the courthouse, uh, this was easily the biggest day of the grand jury process so far. We saw former Democratic State Senator Jen Jordan, who said she sat for about 40 minutes with grand jurors, recounting her 
December 2020 audience with Rudy Giuliani. Now, she is not to be confused with Jim Jordan, who covered up sexual abuse at Ohio State University when he was a wrestling coach. At a time when the president's lawyer was spinning falsehoods about the 2020 election before Georgia legislative panels. Though we did not see him, Gabe Sterling was also spotted in the courthouse, a top aide to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Together, they heard then-President Trump beseech them in a phone call to find 11,780 Georgia votes to give Trump the lead over Joe Biden, who... You hear that, Trump? For whom the bill tolls. Won the state in 2020. You would want to have the grand jury uh, be able to look him in the face and say, you know, sir, did you feel intimidated? And then have him be able to answer that question for them uh, and explain uh, his answer. Clint Rucker was there, uh, was the top uh, Fulton assistant district attorney uh, who worked 20 years with current district attorney Fonnie Willis. Uh, there are indications that the grand jury has not gone home yet. There are indications that by not having gone home, uh, they could be deciding on indictments. They could also be deciding on whether to come back fresh tomorrow and start again bright and early in a very secure area of this courthouse. Live at the Fulton County Courthouse, Doug Richards, 11 Alive News. So while That wasn't live. That was from the... Six o'clock news, but he is live right now. Let's go see what he's got. He's saying right now. Merchant. Um, oh, we just missed him. A really interesting development that happened here that kind of put everybody on high alert. There was a document seemingly coming from the court that listed several charges, and it had. This is live on their newscast right now. It turns out. That, that those weren't charges. So what, what happened here? It's sort of the question of the night right now, or at least it was until just a little bit ago when we found out that it appears the grand jurors may be voting at this moment. But let's rewind a little bit earlier in the day. And before we do, I want to be super clear right off the top. So far, no indictment has been made public. But a re- Good evening, Battle of Awesome. ...has been causing controversy. Holy shit. We may get indictment while we're on stream tonight. In a fair bit of hand-wringing around the court, around noon today, Reuters, a wire service, reported that a document was briefly posted to the court website showing former President Donald Trump facing a RICO charge, as well as multiple other charges for making false and forgery. In a statement not long after that report was published, the clerk's office called that document, quote, fictitious. The state- to catch anyone up who is just joining us, uh, it is very possible that we could get an indictment tonight. The news report, we are live with an Atlanta news station right now. They are saying that the grand jury is voting, voting currently. Statement went on to say that documents that do not bear an official case number, a filing date, and the name of the clerk of courts are not. It had a filing date. Be treated it had it had the case number. What was shared online and what appeared in that Reuters report appears to match the usual formatting and wording of other. It, it had all that information online, and as a part of the legal process, it's not unusual for the DA's office to work with the clerk to get all of the charging documents ready prior to an indictment. 
But in a statement sent just hours ago, late this afternoon, Mr. Trump's attorneys condemned this entire saga, arguing that as far as this document release, maybe not release, goes, it shows a lack of professionalism within the district attorney's office, saying a proposed indictment should only be in the hands of the DA's office. So how does that happen? I mean, how does someone release that? How does that get out there and then it's labeled as fictitious? This is a big fuck up. It clearly, probably is not. Well, to be clear, Clearly. yeah, to be clear, I don't know if we can even say that much. It's sort of the mystery of the day, or at least, again, it was until we got into the situation where we are now, where we yeah. may be waiting for grand jurors to release the results of uh, their view, at least, on this case. It could be a number of things. It could yeah. be somebody in the clerk's office posted something right. too early. It could be something completely fictitious, like the clerk's office is saying. I think this is going to be... Right now, it feels like maybe a bump in the road along the day as we move towards what will be the bigger news if any indictments are announced. But it feels like something we may be spending more time looking at as the days go forward. And if I could jump in, I, here, I feel like he uh, thinks an indictment's coming. Did respond to this. Um, I believe it was Drew Findling and Jennifer Little. They issued a statement saying that this was not an administrative mistake, and they refer to the case number and the judge's name. As we know, the Fulton County, they, the court says, well, you know what, this isn't real. It doesn't look real. Did we um, throw out the format and the Trump campaign, and then a lot of Trump. Be on indictment watch. Saying, how could you issue charges without the Grand jury. So now I I wonder if it's going to be a headache for the court. Yeah, and again, want to be very clear: no charges have been issued right. so far. But I think, if nothing else, it's an indication that folks who are supportive of the former president, uh, Drew Finling, is one of his attorneys. They're going to try to seize on anything they. Can I mean, to me, he's guilty as fuck. It's a yay. Yep. All right. Indicted. If you frame it in such a way, that is one defense yeah. against indictments if they do indeed come but now the document that they are saying is fictitious Ooh, i might be able to make this big oh i can so the documents that they were saying are fictitious actually list about 30 something charges 34 if i remember correctly and we should note as well that uh history has shown that as former president is in the spotlight as he is facing criminal cases and currently is facing three criminal cases indictment is brought, but really, most importantly, it's whether a grand jury, a majority of grand jurors sign I'm not sure, Battle Opossum. There was probable cause that a crime was... I know, I know, I know he's lurking in clips. That there could be... I don't know about the live show. ...defendants. The federal indictment recently released by federal special counsel Jack Smith had only one named defendant. That was former president... You here, Chris? You watching us? unnamed, unindicted co-conspirators. So if that's any indication, there could potentially be, again, if there is an indictment. Apparently, Sidney Powell is going to be arrested any time now. This could be okay. a broad thing, yeah. potentially. Yeah. It could be nothing. The grand jury could return a no bill. We're and just going to have to watch closely. News outlets quickly figured out who those co-conspirators are, at least most of them. All but the sixth one. All but the sixth one. All right, Zach. Cheese bro. Cheese bro. And... Here's what we know. The investigation into the election meddling has taken almost just as long. Yeah, it's been a long and kind of confusing road. Yes, it has. Exactly how we got here. It all started in the days after the 2020 election. Then President Trump had just come up short and refused to concede. His allies wasted no time going on the offense to overturn the results, first calling for Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to resign. 
South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham making one of the first phone calls into Raffensperger's office to discuss Georgia's results. Uh, the future of the country hangs in the balance. On December 3rd, Rudy Giuliani, Trump's then attorney, met Georgia state senators and began claiming Fulton County's election workers committed ballot fraud while counting votes at State Farm Arena. Then came a Trump request for a special state legislative session to investigate voter fraud. It was quickly shut down by Governor Brian Kemp. By mid I'm not sure anyone can stand Lindsay. I don't know how he keeps getting elected. Claiming Trump's victory during a meeting at the state capitol. All of these events setting in motion a phone call between... The perfect phone call. certificates claiming Trump's victory during a meeting at the state capitol. All of these events setting in motion a phone call between Trump and Raffensperger on January 2nd, 2021. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes. After the phone call was guilty, found himself in the crosshairs of newly elected Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis. Obviously, it's been a reported around the wor world that phone call and so we have said yes that is part of the investigation but it, we're not narrowing it to that a year after the trump raffensperger call that means they got all kinds of other evidence to investigate the election probe over the next eight months several of those subpoenaed refused to comply before eventually once again we are live with the news organization in atlanta in January 2023, after 75 witnesses A grand jury is still impaneled in Fulton County. Very compelling things. Like a lot of very compelling evidence. Um, a lot of very interesting things. And things that we didn't expect. The jurors have told media outlets they heard at least three recorded phone calls between Trump and Georgia officials. The jury's report, which was partially released to the public, recommended perjury charges against at least one witness. But due to redactions, names were not disclosed. Former President Trump has continued to deny any wrongdoing and has repeatedly attacked D.A. Willis. They've got a local racist Democrat district attorney in Atlanta who is doing everything in her power to indict me over an absolutely perfect... And great reporting by 11 Alive. All right, let's talk about the folk, the person in charge of this investigation. Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis, she was elected in 2020. She began investigating election tampering in February of 2021, shortly after the infamous Trump call to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. And she convened a special purpose grand jury focusing solely on election fraud back in spring of 2022. Fonnie Willis joined the Fulton County DA's office in 2001. Oh yeah, just because she's black, she's racist against Trump. She served as lead prosecutor in the Atlanta Public Schools cheating scandal where around three dozen educators were convicted or confessed to changing students' standardized test answers in 2009. It's considered the longest criminal trial in Georgia history, with six still active appeals. I think that the case was well tried. I think the judge was very cautious. Um, I think that the case will hold up on appeal. Willis briefly served as City of South Fulton Chief Magistrate Judge and in 2020 successfully ran to become Fulton District Attorney, defeating her former boss, Paul Howard. She saw what was going wrong and she decided she had to do something to change that, to make it right. 
Attorney Daryl Cohen previously worked with Willis, saw her in the courthouse. He says she ran a campaign platform built on bringing honesty and integrity to the office. It's on my first day. <laughs> Richard, good evening. Breaking news story. I just want to find... I'm betting on, on no. 780 votes. The day before Willis took office, then-President Donald Trump made that famous phone call to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, prompting Willis... Politically, good evening. Is there a type of fraud that Trump hasn't committed? Michael Moore says Willis chose to request a special grand jury... Not that Michael Moore. ...but others in his circle, but did not need to. She could have moved forward had she chosen to do so on, on, very, on a very simple, clean-cut case... Uh, she elected to use a special purpose grand jury. Supple. I've not. Uh, I've not ever heard that word. Going to negotiate with gang employed in that in that manner. Please, we are going to find you. We are going to convince you, and we're going to send you to the prison for the rest of your days. Exactly, Jeff. It's always it's always the blacks. God, that sounded racist to me. Young slime life. Nearly half of the defendants entered plea agreements. More than a dozen are now on trial for RICO charges. Cancel Justin. A possible re-election bid. Cohen reflects on her first term and her legacy in trusting the long game to secure convictions. She was honest. She had integrity. She didn't BS. DJ Dub about the case. She'd talk to you, and because she was a real person, there was no pretense with Fani. She just did what needed to be done and then moved on. All right. So there you have a little bit of background on the DA Fonnie Willis. And we wanna get right back out to the courthouse where I just looked inside the courthouse. Nick Wooten has been tweeting. He said- Nick Wooten. Two minutes ago, it's past 8.30, still nothing yet. Darn tootin' Nick Wooten. So Caitlin, we wanna ask you, so I wanna talk about the security around the courthouse. Sheriff Pat Labatt's office started shutting down prior- Did anyone else notice that like she had her jacket a little open? starting, I believe, last Monday morning till August 18th, and you are there, you are witnessing it. So can you paint a picture for us of who she you She seemed a little suggestive when we came back. Or maybe that, that could just be me reading into it because I live in sexual anarchy. Very quickly, and you're starting to see a lot of people gather right outside You live the front in sexual doors. anarchy? to see who's going to come out, when that announcement is going to be made, and the- Supple fraud. All day to car traffic, so pedestrian traffic has still been let through. And you yes, please touch my PP. Peeking their head around, trying to figure out what was going on down here. But for the most part, it's journalists who all have their television or still cameras, their notebooks out, waiting to get any sort of information from inside the courtroom. People waiting outside the clerk's office for that news, and then you have a very large police presence. All day there have been police officers with sirens, lights, armed guards at every single entry and exit to the Fulton County. County courthouse and if you stepped one foot over the barrier they immediately said step back ma'am you need to be behind the barrier so they took it really seriously all so if you're just joining us this is outside of the grand jury right now they are voting we could get indictments hearing walking right out the front doors that's where Joe Ripley was able to catch up with the former lieutenant governor he answered a few questions but for the most part people called to testify here didn't have we had a document leaked earlier in the day that indicated charges had been brought proceedings in any way and so that's where we are right now we're waiting people almost hey we are on kick now 
to happen. It's been really busy down here all day. People saying, have you heard anything? Do you know what's going on? And then about 30 minutes, we got the word that the grand jury was voting. They had the case. And since then, it's been very quiet. People really huddled around trying to see when someone's going to come out and announce what happened. We have heard from some of the bailiffs that if there is a news conference, it's going to be right here on the courthouse steps. So that's going to be a scramble for sure. We don't know whether or not people are going to answer questions. We don't know what I've thought about that clinically. If I because if I come across the right partner, the Fulton County Courthouse closes at 5 p.m. We, we may bring you a just before five that we got X-rated Troll Patrol. Excuse me, Justice Robert McBurney said, I'm going to stay late here tonight. I've been asked to stay late and I'm going to keep this courthouse open till at least 830. He said he'd let us know if anything changed. Well, it's past 830 now. I want to make sure that you're fed because this could be a while. But he said at 8.30 tonight, if we don't have an answer, we're either shutting this down and coming back tomorrow or we're going to see what you have. And so it looks right now, Faith and Jeff, like we're going to see what they have. All right, Caitlin. And we could get indictments in minutes. It's now 8.40. Judge McBurney saying that he would stay open until at least 8.30. We're now 10 minutes beyond that, so it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to wait this out for the long run. All right, not that far away from where Caitlin Ross is right now. Doug Richards is standing by. Doug, I want to talk to you about District Attorney Fannie Willis, who is an expert on RICO charges. In fact, so I guess we're, we're throwing out the format. With the APS cheating scandal in which she used RICO. We're on indictment watch. And, and for that matter, she's used it to prosecute gang cases as well, including that one that is centered on the Atlanta rapper Young Thug. So this is all very curious how RICO. Not Young Thug. In the state of Georgia versus other places around the country, it is more expansive, it is more broad reaching. Right. And so if there is a RICO charge that is being considered by this grand jury, an expansive RICO charge, one would think that it might take more than one day of testimony uh, and a few hours of uh, conversation after the testimony is over to uh, put that RICO charge into, into context and to decide whether or not to, to make that part of an indictment. One of the things that has taken place that we know of, though, is that this grand jury has already had some practice with RICO. Um, there have been RICO indictments returned since early July when uh, this and another grand jury uh, got together. And so uh, what I've been told is We're practicing for the big one. Smart um, for Fonnie Willis and her staff to have sort of greased the skids a little bit with the grand jury to say, so what we've got here is a sort of garden variety. They used lube. You know, it's a, a drug case or a gang case or something like that. Here's how we're wrapping it together as a racketeering uh, case. And here's why it's a racketeering case. And in this drug case, it's sort of the, the lines are, are perhaps simpler. Now you have a grand jury that is familiar, doesn't need to be told what RICO is doesn't necessarily need to know how Rico. interwoven evidence needs to be in order to make it a RICO case. And they're presented with this case uh, against President Trump. And they're calling that a RICO case also. And at this point, the grand jurors are saying, oh, yeah, we've heard of this RICO before. We've seen how it's worked before in previous indictments. <laughs> we know that RICO guy. We don't need to be reschooled on RICO. Present your RICO evidence, and we will. Or you could say we don't need your education. This is 
I, I, I don't have any inside knowledge as to what they're actually saying in the, in the jury room, but it would make sense that if they have seen RICO cases before and if they're presenting a RICO case against former President Trump right now, that these grand jurors would not necessarily need you know, to take tomorrow maybe to, uh, to decide on it. It may be that all that complexity uh, is coming down and is making at least a measure of sense to perhaps a majority of the grand jurors if, in fact, that's what we're doing. Donald Trump is just fucking guilty as sin. It's obvious. Uh, on Rico. Doug, I, I, th I think everybody who's watching right now who didn't go to law school has never passed the bar anywhere. Are they, like, making out when the camera is off of them? What is going on? Like, she, she was, like, straightening herself up when they came back on camera correlation and I think simply put it is a group of individuals who are you or maybe I'm just reading of misadventure that's probably the best way to describe Rico in a couple of declarative sentences and it, it is expansive in a way that it is not limited necessarily to Fulton County once it becomes a Rico case if in fact this becomes one you have evidence you know that's not a bad idea Fat bomb rips. The, uh, the, the attack on the Capitol can be used in a RICO case to show that an organized crime uh, organization uh, had that element of, of uh, criminality within its corrupt organization. You could go to Coffee County, Georgia, um, the place where Trump operatives uh, entered an election office on January 7th, 2021 scanned all the ballot or scanned ballot images or scanned rather excuse me scanned voting machine images uh, in order to see what how the voting machines worked and access them in a way that uh, tech experts say could hack them in future elections the secretary of state's office says that's not the case tech experts say no, it actually is the case. That's like a whole separate story, but it nonetheless can be woven into uh, a sort of web of criminality. We'll get rid of those machines. To uh, racketeering. And yes, you know, you're talking about Young Thug and you're talking about mafia cases and you're talking about. Libertad, I was thinking the same thing. So I like. had an organized effort uh, district wide in uh, the city of Atlanta uh, close to 10 years ago. As, uh, oh, did she say nutshell? Because, my God, also, I mean, he's been going on for a long time now. That there has ever been a RICO case prosecuted. That's but great report. But also, they're killing time. Case. Pretty sure it's not the case, um, since no former president has had these kind of criminal charges and criminal filings uh, uh, faced, uh, posted against him. Um but um, it, it does fit within a pattern that prosecutors are accustomed, have grown accustomed to building when they're talking to grand juries. And then if- so, I mean, in terms of looking at it that way, that a producer is like, hey, can you fill as much time as you can right now? Or tomorrow. All right, Doug, thanks. I, I, I think, Doug, you really reinforce, and, and Zach as well, of how complicated these issues become as far as uh, the court system in the United States is one that is not user-friendly, depending on, on what level you are at or depending on how much money you may have. I mean, it is a very complicated system of which 
There's all kinds of checks and balances. Understatement. There's all kinds of people that fall through the net. It's a very complicated means, Absolutely. but the best means we have ever determined in terms of trying to define what is fair and what is not. And while we have Doug here, Doug, I, hey, Doug. You know, I don't know if you know this, but McBurney has just entered the courtroom. Our Nick Wooten just um, tweeted that. Seconds Nick Wooten. We're also hearing from George Cheedy, who was the independent journalist who was called to testify. He says that he did not need to testify. They are done. So it looks like there's some movement that's about to happen. It looks like we see George Cheedy right there. And I wonder if we can listen in to hear what he's saying here. Do we have audio? About here we are. Whether or not a district attorney can use the power of her office to tell a journalist what to do is mooted. I didn't have to say anything. Um, would have been willing to testify. Showed up at four o'clock, like they asked me to. Sat there watching the paint dry. What and do you it's think fine. of the fact that they, they got that far and you weren't called? What are they doing? Uh, well, I would assume. I'm a journalist. I shouldn't assume <laughs> anything. But I assume they're voting right now. Like if they don't need, because the the folks who are working for funding Melissa's office said. You're done. You don't. We we will not. We will not need you now. So it does, means I'm not coming back tomorrow. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm assuming I'm not going to come back tomorrow. Maybe they'll call me, but I don't think they will. Do you assume that they wanted to ask you about what you saw that day? And for those people that don't know what you saw the day, what did you see? Did you see people that were startled when you came in the room? Uh, so I don't know if I call them startled. Uh, let me just tell the whole thing really quickly. Uh, yes, please. At the Georgia Capitol on December 14th. Um, like many of you, I might add, who didn't get subpoenas um, uh, because I wanted to observe the electoral vote and I was concerned that there would be... The prodding of his colleagues there. Uh, I saw a person I recognized as one of... Somebody who would have been... Is a journalist. ...if Trump had won the state, uh, who ignored me in a weird way and went into a room on the second floor of the Capitol. Uh, I took out my cell phone, started a Facebook Live, followed him in, uh, and was quickly ushered out. Uh, as I was being ushered out, uh, I asked what kind of meeting they were having, and uh, a woman's voice said, uh, they're having an education meeting. Uh, plainly, they were not having an education meeting. Uh, so up until five minutes ago that the district attorney believed that that observation was relevant to these legal proceedings and perhaps it still is but the jury may have enough information without to make a decision have you testified to the grand jury before a special purpose grand jury i testified before the special purpose grand jury and what questions did they ask you about that meeting that you were ushered out of uh more or less what i've just described uh why i was there uh who am i uh what did i observe uh, they asked me uh, what I did immediately afterwards. Um, I did spend some time. So they presented the, the grand jury his statements, and he was just there if they wanted to ask him questions. And they didn't want to ask him questions. That's that's my assumption of what happened. Speaker of the House. Because he's already testified previously. office had reserved it at the behest of an attorney working for Donald Trump. Um, also relevant, I think. Um, Nonetheless, um, they didn't need to hear that. How many witnesses were left when you uh, were excused? They, they heard it. They just didn't have to ask you follow-up questions. Can you tell us who that was? No. You know, I love you guys, but like the fact that I'm public is a function of my life as a journalist. There are other people who 
like may have wanted to testify, uh, we didn't, because uh, privacy should be secure. So George, as a journalist, you are someone. Well, then, not today. Not to this grand jury. I'm not expecting. If you're just joining us, we could quite possibly see an indictment in Georgia. Of former President Trump for a fourth time. It's possible that they'll chew on it. This time, state charges for election interference. Impressions on something the former president said that this was another one of those perfect uh, phone calls. Hold that thought. Um, you said that a second ago. Yeah. Why, they, why do you feel they did not get your testing? Uh, so I think possibly because it's been really well documented, and possibly because they may have enough information from other sources to come to a conclusion. I don't know. I am not a juror, and it is important to understand that I am not taking a position on whether or not Donald Trump or anybody I saw that day should be indicted. So we believe that the grand jury is voting at this moment. We have heard that from a reporter inside the courthouse. When you say uh, what I was told by the... You were told you weren't needed anymore. Just that, like, uh, thanks, glad you came, uh, you can go home. And what did you observe up to that in terms of people coming and going? Well, lots of, uh, lots of cops, uh, sheriff's deputies, uh, folks who work uh, as a Showed them the balls, had no questions. He's uh, nuts. Uh, Fonnie Willis from time to time. Um, everybody who seemed to be in very high spirits, they're chipper, uh, and trying to get comfortable because people have been there since way before nine o'clock in the morning. So that thought that we're holding now, back to that perfect phone call that the former president said, part of the reason 11,000, find me 11,780 votes. From what you know, what you see. I love that you can just say perfect phone call. Uh, People know what you're talking about. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's two perfect phone calls. Who are uh, Atlanta journalists. This is perfect phone call number two. You know, it can share questions. We're all on the same team here. Perfect phone call number one was the call to, was it a Ukrainian ambassador or was it Zelensky? No, I don't. I thought it was possible, but it wasn't up to me to determine whether or not that information was critical. That is entirely. It looks like somebody is targeting them with a sniper rival. Chosen by like the grand jury process. It was Zelensky himself. The man, the myth, the legend. Uh, I'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. I don't know. like among the witnesses? So it's funny. We were sitting there. I was there with Jeff Duncan for a while. And I'll, tell, I'll talk about Jeff because he's been very public about testifying. Um, really very yeah, talk some shit about Jeff. We spent a lot of time talking about everything and anything except the case. Because on some level, and it was unspoken, we didn't want to taint each other's testimony. Uh, uh, I find Jeff Duncan to be wry and erudite and interesting um, and uh, worthy of the position that he has sort of in the media firmament right now. Find you someone that thinks uh, uh, about you the way he thinks about uh, Jeff. What would bring you back? Another subpoena. Wry and erudite. George, thanks. You're right. Anybody else? Will you still be covering this indictment even though you're a part of it? What a good question. 
I don't know. I'm actually wrestling with that. Like, to what degree am I compromised? The, uh, because there's only so much that I can say where some clever defense attorney will go, ah, you're biased, and what are we supposed to do now? Um, problem is, I'm a political journalist. I write about politics in Georgia, and I'm good at it. It's part of the reason I'm here, is because I spotted something that day. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, shit, are we getting it? Breaking right now, we are awaiting the grand jury's decision on potential indictment. Number four. The investigation into attempts to overturn Georgia's 2020 election results. Around 8 p.m., we found out voting had begun. And moments ago, our Nick Wooten tweeting Darn out Darn tootin', Nick Wooten. ...is in route. Judge McBurney is in the courtroom. Seemingly, there has been a lot of inaction all evening long, but a flurry of activity over the course of the last 15 uh -oh. begun to change much of what we are reporting and much of what we are thinking right you now. You guys hang tight. I'm going to take a pee pee. Oh, oh, pee pee girl. Oh, this is, we're, we're possibly getting the fourth indictment of Donald Trump in mere moments. Been rendered about what the grand jury has elected to do here. That's what we're hearing right out of the court right now. And, and Faith, I think you have an important update for us here. Um, well, we are checking. We, the New York Times is doing a report right now that the indictment, a sealed indictment, has been handed up. That's what we're hearing from the New York Times right now. And this is the first step to it being unsealed that we could potentially find out charges and the indictment. All right, I'm going to run real fast because it looks like it's coming in seconds. Reporters are in the courtroom awaiting to see what happens next. So we have heard from George Cheedy, who was ready to give the information that he knew, but he was not asked. He was not called in. Why is that? Well, in Georgia, you don't need a whole host of witnesses in order for a grand jury to return an indictment. And, and we should be clear here, too, it is up to a grand jury. They can return what's known as a true bill. That's what you think of when you hear an indictment. It means that a grand jury, a majority of the jurors on that grand jury, believe there's what's known as probable cause that a crime was committed. They can also return what's known as a no bill, and that means they saw the prosecutor's case and they thought, you know what? No, this doesn't pass the smell test. No crime, in our view, was committed here. And I think this is a good segue, a good moment, especially as we're waiting for what may come out of Judge Robert McBurney's courtroom in the, the coming moments here to talk about what an indictment is and what... Oh, yeah, we ain't gonna miss this. Any indictment is a serious thing. It is a, a serious step. I didn't even wash my hands. Certainly, if you're named as a defendant, it is extremely serious. That said... A grand jury indictment does not mean that somebody has been found guilty. The burden of proof required to indict much lower than the burden of proof required to convict at trial. And it should also be noted that in a grand jury, this is in a lot of ways a prosecutor's ideal situation. Unlike in court, unlike at a trial, in the grand jury room, there is only the prosecution. There's no defense attorney present. So prosecutors get to present in a lot of ways. So if you're just joining us, it looks like we are moments away from the fourth indictment of Donald Trump, this time on state charges in Georgia for election interference. But again, all signs point to the document is on its way to Judge Robert McBurney's courtroom right now. So here's let's what this let's load one up. In the state of Georgia, correct me if you think I'm wrong on this. 
Georgia is one state as opposed to New York. And like, wow, what a moment for their careers as journalists. Televised court cases. Snigs putting the popcorn. Here in Georgia, we could see this televised, one of the few places in the United States where Mr. Trump is indeed indicted and could find himself yes. in proceedings being telecast to a nationwide audience. This is the trial that we might get to watch. An outlier in that respect, especially at least when you compare us to the federal system. The federal court system is historically, I don't want to say notorious, but historically known for a real aversion to cameras, both print and still inside of a courtroom. But in Georgia, cameras are typically allowed inside of a courtroom for all sorts of proceedings. Love it. And Zach, we are actually taking a look inside the courtroom right now. We're working on getting audio for everyone, but you can see. Oh, shit. Judge Robert McBurney, and he is live inside the courtroom. Um, we did see, like I said, our Nick Wooten. We're actually going to get the reading of it in the courtroom. Fuck yeah. Uh, courtroom. And you can see here a large stack of papers. So we are working once again to get that audio for you so we can um, bring to you what's going in. But once again, this is something that we have been waiting on all day. Um, the jury started, I believe the courthouse opened up at 8.30 this morning. We saw several folks walk in and out, including Jen Jordan, a former state representative, B. Wynn, a former, um, uh, excuse me, a former state senator, Jen Jordan. B. Wynn is a former state representative, so they both gave their testimony walking in and walking out of the courthouse. We also saw Gabriel Sterling speak to the jurors today. Give me a sense, Zach, of what sort of choreography are we seeing right now? What is the judge in the process of doing, and who are the individuals that are here inside witnessing all of this? Well, again, it's a little difficult to tell just without the audio, but generally speaking, and this is another important distinction between our system here in Georgia and at the federal system, you might... Oh, fuck yeah, we got Warlord here. If you're just joining us like Warlord... You're getting ready to get indictment number four in Georgia. Here in Georgia, uh, an indictment has to be physically read into... And they, they got video and audio in the courtroom. If it's a true bill indictment, it's got to be taken typically by a clerk to a judge. Yeah. And that judge will physically let me pick up the paper and read it typically a very ministerial and pretty routine event that goes on countless times in a courtroom yeah. so the choreography is significantly different from a trial jury it has its own nuances here and it's its own formality in a way that sets precedent yeah it does and i think the best way to think about a grand jury is sort of the public's first pass at a case it's the first time that somebody outside of any involvement with the case, either a prosecutor or a defense attorney or somebody who may be a witness or have some connection to the evidence, gets to look at what the state has collected and gets to say, in their view, whether a crime was committed or not. It should also be noted that unlike at trial, at a criminal trial, a unanimous verdict is not necessary to hand up an indictment in Georgia. All it takes is a majority of grand jurors to say yes, and a true bill indictment will be returned. And it should be noted that this does not infer guilt or innocence. No, it, it's certainly not a pronouncement of guilt. It is, in a lot of ways, we, we hear probable cause. That's the legalistic language that a grand jury has to find. They have to find that there's probable cause that a crime is committed. Legal experts will vary in sort of the percentage of certainty that that means, but a lot of times they'll say it's 
51%. I want to give a little bit of an update here. You are taking a live look inside the courthouse where moments ago we saw that the judge left the courtroom. He did ask reporters to leave the courtroom, and we can confirm that an indictment has been handed up. Um, Zach, let's go back to you talking about just the process here. Um, something that you made of note, it only takes 12 jurors to hand up an indictment. So now that we can confirm that, that it was handed up, what happens next? Well, what happens next is this is in a lot of ways the beginning of the long march to trial and we should put a caveat in this too many the vast majority of well, is the judge going to read it they see the inside of a trial room most end in plea deals this case while we don't want to say anything definitively if there was ever a case where I would be willing to bet anything that it would proceed on the tracks toward a trial, this would be it. The former president has maintained his innocence in the other three cases that he has been charged in, uh, and he has vowed to take every one of them to trial. This is something is going on. Process. Why does the? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Faith, go ahead. <laughs> I didn't want to put you on the spot there, sure. but like I said, our crews and I'm. Excuse me. We're getting just um, text and all of this information real time, bringing it to you. And the question here is: So we just found out that all the reporters that have been gathered in that courtroom for over an hour, Judge McBurney, he left. We saw briefly a stack of papers. He handed it to a woman in an orange dress. They all walked out the back. The judge left, and all of the reporters also. So left the room. Any idea why he would have asked them to leave the courtroom? Is this standard procedure? They're going to come out and do a press conference. Or is this something that we'd have to figure out? A little tough to say, especially you know, only knowing what we know from, from the outside here. And I'm, I'm we had been told earlier that there would be a press conference. They'll be able to give some more context to this. Yeah. My hunch is, one, that given the sort of typically routine nature of reading an indictment into the record, there isn't any sort of extraneous commentary from a judge, and so it's not unusual in, in, in my experience to see a judge read it and yeah. say, okay, that's it, moving on. This is the, the very legal side of things. As far as reporters being moved out of the room, it's likely because whatever happened in there is over, and because we may, and I want to stress may, we don't know for sure, but we may be hearing um, from some other officials connected to this case, in which case reporters would want to be ready for that. So as we all sit here tonight, I look at these pictures and I think about the course of the last two and a half years, why is it taking... So the DA's office is going to give a statement. That's, that's a fantastic question. Um, and it's one that I think we've been asking District Attorney Fonnie Willis for a long time now. It's one that we'll continue to keep asking her especially given sort of what we've discussed here, the burden of proof compared to, uh, the burden of proof required to convict at trial, fairly low in a, a grand jury room. That said, and this, I hate to speculate here, let's call this an educated guess. Yeah. If you were the district attorney and you were contemplating, investigating, contemplating, ultimately looking for charges against the former president of the United States, you've got to imagine that they would want to very much take their time and look at as much evidence as possible. So we are live with the this long march to this moment. This news station out of Atlanta is a result of that more than anything else. It's a long time coming, this investigation. They did a great job reporting. It's from inside of the courtroom. Like we said, our reporters were asked to leave moments ago. But Nick did tweet out. He said he asked McBurney what that stack of papers said. He says he didn't give it a good look. So we're still working to see what exactly those stack of papers were. But we can confirm that an indictment was handed up. I didn't give it a good look.
us moments ago, we saw. Uh, we got a judge that's a wisecracker. The judge handed it to a woman in an orange dress, and then they walked out. And we're taking a live look. Excellent door shot. How how do you guys rank this door shot? And this has been the scene for, jeez, uh, over a week now. Yeah. Not quite as ornate a door as we got in Let's talk a Washington, D.C. or Miami. We know the district attorney, Fannie Willis, who defeated Paul Howard uh, back in 2020, has been really a, a, an Door is for Trump. Charges. She employed it in 2015 against uh, the APS teachers in the midst of the cheating scandal and, of course, with the uh, Atlanta rapper Young Thug as well. And to sort of clarify... The door? The, the door? It essentially means a group of individuals who are all united toward misadventure, for putting it uh, in, in lack of legal terms. The door lives in sexual anarchy. These you live in sexual anarchy? ...being used on, on Mr. Trump that maybe no one saw coming when this all began two years ago. I want to say just very quickly, we don't yet know for sure what charges were here, um, what this indictment... Joey, good evening. We're in the process of obtaining a physical copy of that and actually reading... Anyone just joining us, we are moments away from an indictment, apparently. A lot of sort of insinuation and suggestion 7 out of 10 on the door Unicorn Queen, good evening the key pillars Play, girl Naming the former president, Donald Trump, as a defendant You mentioned District Attorney Fonnie Willis has a, a pretty rich history in bringing RICO cases They tend to be complicated They tend to take a fair deal of time to investigate and get all your ducks in a row and they can take a fair bit of time to prosecute and actually make their way through the court system especially because one of the hallmarks is typically that RICO cases feature multiple defendants sometimes many defendants the Atlanta public schools cheating right. scandal yeah. I believe had more than uh, 10 or 11 um, and as we touch base on that I think faith you have uh, he was having a little hard time with the uh so we're a major update. A NBC producer actually snapped a picture of the indictment, a cover of the front cover. You can see it right there. Um, what we're seeing is that there were 10 indictments presented, zero were no build. So that's what we're seeing right now. Um, I wish we could, you know, zoom in and see what that says a little bit. But one, we are eventually going to get our hands on this, these papers so that we can go through and read to see exactly, you know, who's indicted, what the charges were. But once again, we are seeing that 10 indictments were handed up. And this is unlike what we've seen in the last three criminal cases against the former president, um, the criminal case in New York, an indictment against the former president, the criminal case in Mar-a-Lago right. against him, co-conspirators, the latest one with the DOJ against him. This one, 10 indictments. So it's going to be him plus, or excuse me, we don't know if it's going to be the former president, so let me not say that, but we, it's going to be 10 different people. So it, we're, this is going to be... Oh, I'm pretty sure it's... In the last four cases. It's going to be Trump. It could be. Um, the, the, the closest, I guess, two parallels that come to mind... Rudy. Because Sydney Powell, close close cousins, maybe of cases. Um, yeah. First, the, the Mar-a-Lago case, the documents case. Lynn Wood, Lynn Wood lived in Georgia. There were uh, former President Donald Trump was clearly the main defendant in that case, but there were a few others who Kanye West's so, uh, assistant. Seeing a, a case with former president as a defendant and others being named as co-defendants as well. Yeah. But you're right. The federal indictment, Jack Smith's. Um, I should. 
should be clear which federal indictment we're talking about. Um, there were two of them, that's correct. There are in a state case out of New York, but that special counsel's case, the most recent one focusing on 2020 election, what they say was election interference, unlawful election interference, there were six folks who were named without naming them, I guess is the way to put it. They were unindicted co-conspirators. Lindsey Graham could quite possibly be one of them. Together who many of those. Good call, Joey. But in that case, it was only former President Donald Trump who was named here. We saw 10 indictments handed up. We saw Judge Robert McBurney take possession of them, read them, we presume, into Alexandra. the Alexandra. Uh, a legal requirement here in the Georgia criminal justice system. The question now... He's, he's facing a majority black jury in both Atlanta and Washington, D.C. In that recent DOJ case and some of... Miami, there is a better shot of having like a more Cuban jury. 15 pages or so. Which does lean conservative mentions of Georgia in it. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, once we are able to see this indictment and what is in it, what we see. But right now, I believe we're going to get out to Doug Richards. You're taking live look at pictures outside of the courthouse. And we do see Doug here. So, Doug, lots of new information here. We're Doug looks bored. Doug, can you hear us? All right, there is Doug. It looks like we're having a couple of problems. But his mic has gone dead. So if you are the legal representation of uh, former President Trump tonight. Poor guy. Do indeed come back, as we have seen uh, some of this evidence tonight. Is this framed in a political context? Is that how you deal with this, at least initially? I am pretty positive we're we going to know the contents today. of like those indictments. Jeff momentarily describing him as failed uh, we also this is the president who was saying this just that's correct and we also have heard from Rudy Giuliani tonight on one of our broadcasts where he was talking about the com the, the political component because an election year is forthcoming Donald Trump is stupid? the leading Republican uh, at this point believes that it is all an effort to try and stop it is that what you anticipate anybody got odds on Mike Lindell I would never presume that was to be crap. the attorney for <laughs> right. or anybody else here, but I, I think it's a fair bet if, if we have to make an educated guess here. I think history has shown us that this is going to operate on a couple tracks. Um, there's going to be the political track, which you've got to imagine anybody who is a supporter of the former president, uh, his legal team included, but certainly is an idiot. Uh, partisan folks involved with his campaign apparatus, his personal office, his personal aides are going to do everything they can to frame this, like you said, Jeff, in a political context. Um, and we've seen it after the special counsel's indictment that was unsealed earlier this month, I, I believe it was on August 1st of this month. The Trump campaign came out very quickly and called it, like you said, a political witch hunt. I think that's a message we've heard a lot from the former president and his allies. I think we're going to hear it again. Speaking of witches, stick around. I'm going to tell you why the Montgomery Riverfront brawl was not witchcraft. Why the Maui fires weren't space lasers. Old Uncle Bob, welcome. Jail the bum. So, Doug, what's your take on this? Well, it's fun to speculate about what the indictments are going to say. It is kind of 
pointless on the one hand and on the other hand it uh, he does like to throw things but at this point he's been indicted so many times like it's got it's got to lose its pizzazz on the fourth one right and i'm looking at my colleague rebecca lindstrom who is off camera over here who was you were in judge mcburney's courtroom right Come chat with me for a moment, if you wouldn't mind, Rebecca Lindstrom. This guy's got game in a bar, don't you think? Uh, she was in uh, McBurney's courtroom. Mm -hmm. So um, you were expecting to learn what the indictment said, maybe, right? I mean, that's why all those people were in there. Yeah, I think that's why you had about 40, 50 reporters from across the country that were sitting inside there waiting to hear exactly what the indictments were going to be. And it really was a very simple and quick process once it started. They just came in. They asked if this was, uh, if the process went, you know, smoothly as expected. They said yes. He signed it, handed them back the stack of papers, and then were the they words, left. Were the words true, Bill? At the early bird dinners. Never. In fact, uh, we did ask when um, they had left, like if, if they could tell us anything about what was in the indictment. And uh, his only comment was just to sort of jokingly say, well, I didn't look at it that close. Um, like the most, <laughs> the most profound indictment in this man's career. And, and yeah, he was not revealing anything in that moment, but he did hand it over and specifically said, you are taking this to the clerk's office. I am entrusting you to take it straight to the clerk's office. And See, I couldn't do that. If I was the judge, I would have my tea. I'm reading every detail. I mean, really, so not at all what we were expecting. And I'd take it, I'd take it home. I'd be like cuddled up in bed. Was decided. Give me the deets on what, what Donald's been doing. It was a pretty thick stack of, yeah. of papers. So it, was it wasn't just like one paper, two papers. It was it was a significant stack that was handed back and forth. And indictments generally don't have a lot of evidence in them that's mostly just each count as mm -hmm. a narrative, as like a two or three sentence narrative. Although we have seen with some of the other indictments that they- I feel like we're going to have a press conference actually announcing the charges momentarily so stick with us that could be the case here as well uh, since we know that outside apparently 10 people have been indicted we know that tomorrow at some point sort of explaining where we are at in this process and and what the indictments uh, actually include you know that that may also be her opportunity to sort of spell out and answer some of those questions as to the roadmap of where she's going with these charges we, we just don't know until we see them, but we have seen that in other cases and other indictments. If I had to guess, so we have. They had to get it signed by the judge. They're making copies now. So they're going to come out, they're going to hand the. Atlanta thing I've ever seen. The reporters' copies of the indictments. And give a statement. That there were a set number, I believe about 10 people, who we thought were going to appear before the grand jury. The hour was getting late, and I think the question was asked, do they want to try to push through? And the decision was yes. So then they reached out to them to see if they really felt that they already had the information they needed to make a decision without hearing from the remaining witnesses. And the decision was yes. And so some of those witnesses, at least one of those witnesses, was dismissed before ever mm -hmm. speaking before the grand jury. Now, we do know that that person spoke before the special grand jury, the special purpose grand jury. So 
you know, True clinically, he did say he was going to be a historic president. That that witness would have shared. That's what I'm assuming. They're making copies of the clerk's office right now. Any additional questions of their own? They had the information they felt that they... So that's, that's a 10, 15 minute process to make, what, 100? rap in my ear, which means that uh, <laughs> um, as edifying as you were... Uh, 200 copies? Carry on with the rest of the newscast for the moment. Uh, thank you, Rebecca Lipstrom. Uh, live at the Fulton County Courthouse, Doug Richards. Live news. All right, Doug, thank you. We want to go a couple of minutes away from where you are standing right now to Joe Ripley, who has been there most of the evening and certainly has been a witness to the security ring around yeah. that area. And Joe, this has been going on a very long time. That's why they said Joe, he can handle himself. Uh, the streets have been blocked off. Yeah. Has this been the result of a tip of violence or an anticipation of the potentiality of it? Well, if you ask Fulton County Sheriff Patrick Labatt, he would just say, we need to be prepared for any and everything. Once indictments drop, once an arraignment uh, comes to pass, and we hear and see some of these defendants come. Arraignment could be this week. It could be Thursday. It could be Friday. For the last week, as you mentioned, we have heard throughout this summer that security would ramp up, and here we see it outside the Fulton County Courthouse. Here at the intersection of MLK and Pryor, you can see this portion of Pryor Street is blocked off. A perimeter of patrol vehicles from the Fulton County Sheriff's Office can be seen around the courthouse, just securing the area. It's an eventful Monday here. You've I was getting ready to say it's a pretty short trip from Mar-a-Lago, but he's in Bedminster. Here at the courthouse, all it's the summertime. At least Too hot down in Florida. On potential indictments here, uh, which we understand have been passed up to Judge McBurney. It's a matter at this point of what is in those indictments and who is named. We actually heard moments ago from independent journalist George Cheedy, who was one of the witnesses who testified uh, before the special purpose grand jury, was called to testify before the uh, regular grand jury, who had in their hands the responsibility of handing this indictment. Uh, Judge Bernie Mac and Don Cheadle. That, he was, uh, that this was a victory for journalism. That's what George told us just moments ago. He said he did not testify before this grand jury, but was willing to do so, was here for about four or five hours, came out. Uh, he said he was just waiting around, but the grand jury ultimately didn't need to hear from him. He said, though, that this could be a pivotal point in politics here in Georgia. This trial will bear that. A pivotal point in politics. Uh, of course, with these indictments. Say that five times fast. A pivotal point in politics. A pivotal point in politics. A pivotal point in politics. Newscast. George assumes he's not coming back. His role, of course, uh, tied to the uh, alternate elector scheme uh, that happened a couple of years back in December. George actually stumbled into uh, that meeting and observed what happened from there, was asked before the special grand jury you know, what he experienced there and his moments after. Was called back today. We thought he would show up tomorrow, but that timeline was moved up, and that's why we're seeing this quick succession of events happening to where we expected indictments like yes, it is apparently MLK Boulevard where the courthouse is situated sometime tonight so you can see here uh, the flashing lights we expect at some point uh, either uh, someone from the DA's office or perfectly paisley panties to come down those steps and actually explain to us what has happened tonight we will also give you a sneak peek how about perfectly paisley I can't uh, gets How, the, fuck did I, how about perfectly paisley eye pussies? Still 
wait and see. We know a little bit more, Jeff and Faith, but as of this moment, we're still camped out here outside the Fulton County Courthouse. Pretty quiet, <laughs> I would say, over the last hour or two. The only really uh, eventful thing happening was when witnesses like George or former Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan come out. We are on them, pounced on them to, to just sort of ask them some questions for what went on inside. All right, Inky. Pounced on them. You're going to need to hang in there just a little bit longer. We did just get new information that the DA is expected to give a press conference after the um, indictments are entered into the system. This could take anywhere from one to three hours, which means we could be in for a much longer night tonight, but we're going to have to wait and see. But right now, we do want to get out to Caitlin Ross, who is standing outside of the Fulton County. I was going to try to have a short night tonight. <laughs> where all of the reporters evacuated in mass. Uh, Rebecca was saying that there was between 40 to 50 reporters in the oh, same Buggle room. up, buggeroos. Judge McBurney before he told them, okay, everybody. God damn it, I didn't make dinner before the show. in the last, I guess, 30 minutes or so from where you are? So we have reporters stationed at just about every entry and exit of the Fulton County Courthouse. And what's tricky about this courthouse is you can get in and out a number of different ways. So we did see some of those reporters coming down, coming to speak with their crews. We're on the prior side street where they've completely shut down the street to car traffic. It's been closed for more than 48 hours now. Today, though, it got really busy. Hey, I'm, we're sticking with it here to report on exactly what happened. Rebecca Lindstrom inside the courtroom there saying there were crews from all over the country waiting in the courtroom for news. And really, they waited a very long time. Yes, we want to find out what that news be doing. Closing up, everybody had to leave, but not before seeing that cover sheet, that piece of paper saying 10 indictments had been returned, zero had been no-belt. So that is what everybody out here is talking about, wondering what those 10 indictments are going to look like, what that paperwork is going to look like like and what we're doing right now is waiting for that to get entered into the system. So Judge Robert McBurney said that he saw that paper. He told our Nick Wooten inside the courtroom he didn't get a good look. Darn tootin Nick Wooten. The court's office is entering that into the system right now. Just about an hour ago someone noted that the light was still on in the clerk's office so it's likely that we're going to get the paperwork tonight. After we get that paperwork we're going to have a much better idea of what we're talking about. Outside right now there's a lot of speculation about what they could have talked about. The most concrete thing we have to go off of is independent journalist George Cheedy. He came out and really explained the process to us. He said he sat in that room, he talked about movies, they didn't talk about the case, but he was talking to the other witnesses who were called to testify today. Ultimately, he didn't end up being called. He said he was ready and willing to testify if he needed to, and he said he thought a lot about what this means for journalism. Was this a good thing that a journalist was not called in this case? or will it impact coverage of this case going forward? He said he's a political reporter, he's good at what he does, and he intends to keep doing that for a long time to come. And so he's the witness we heard the most from. We did hear a little bit from former Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan. He had some to say about the process and how important he thought it was. If you don't know what I'm talking about when I keep saying darn tootin' Nick Wooten, it's because we've met Nick before here on the show. Nick Wooten has details. Ah, shit. Nick Wooten has details of what could happen next. The 23-person jury. Darn tootin', Nick Wooten. Look at that mustache. That man crushes pussy. Are mustaches in right now or something? Is that a thing? Like, I've, I've commented on numerous people's mustaches. Mustaches are in. Mustaches are in this season. Okay. We doing mustaches now, boys? What do you think he looks like without that mustache? 
You guys want to find out? Should I Photoshop? <laughs> oh, there's you some Photoshop. There's our, our good buddy with the mustache. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take what's called the clone stamp tool. And I'm gonna... So I sent this to him and we're friends now. He thought it was hilarious. Looks like he's got a chocolate milk mustache now. I, I missed a little section now. I, I totally see it right above his lip. Give him a touch of milk. <laughs> Nick Wooten has deep. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's where the darn toot Nick Wooten comes from. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, the DA's office has, you know, brought an indictment. There are probably multiple individuals involved, most likely uh, the former president of the United States. And, um, but what we have to understand is that an indictment is not a conviction. It's just the beginning of the process. We know that. So, um, so it's like poking the bear. You have to finish the fight. Um, and so, you know, there will be a fight coming. There will be trials coming. Uh, evidence will be presented. Um, and, and so there's, there are miles to go before DA Fonny. See if I can. Please. Give us a steady stream here. Steady stream rotten Dan Crenshaw's eye. Ah, ha, ha. Um, and so there's there are miles to go before DA Bonnie Willis sleeps. Has taken two and a half years. Is is that too long in your estimation? Do you believe the system must change in terms of grand juries and their relationship with jury trials? No, you take as long as you need. Um, because ultimately as you know the is in our first rodeo county DA. Um, she's the only person that's going to be held account held accountable if there's some sort of misstep. Um, so, you know, when you look at the nature of the evidence in this case, perhaps, a, you know, there are several different things going on. You know, we've heard about, you know, we know about the phone call. We know about, you know, the voting machines. Up How shiny his head is. You know, there's the alleged fake electors and, you know, God knows what else. Um, and so all of this has to be. He shined it up real nice and pretty um, for this and occasion. Complex. And so, you know, ultimately, you know, there's a saying that we used to use in our public integrity unit, and that's when you indict, be ready to fight. Um, and so there is no investigation it. when you indict someone. You had better be prepared to prove it. Um, and if it takes two years, it takes two years. Charges and District Attorney Fanny Willis's expertise in these RICO charges. I'm sorry, Pumpkin. Also, good evening. You snuck in on me. Simplistic definition of these for those who don't follow these kinds of things. So it could be group of people that up to three hours from now before we get the indictment. Misadventure of some kind in the eyes of the court. Uh, does it make this case more difficult uh, with a former president? It makes it more complex. Uh, but in some ways, it makes it, I don't want to say easier um, to prove, but it makes it easier to present. Because ultimately, when you're presenting a RICO case, what you're doing is that you're pulling together a lot of different material. We call them predicate acts. Uh, you need at least two predicate acts in Georgia, two criminal acts in Georgia to be the basis of it. And you're saying that these acts, although seemingly unrelated, came together um, and advanced a, a scheme or an enterprise. Um, and so... You know, it, it gives you more to prove, but you can tell the full story as opposed to just telling the story of one predicate act. You can tell the Jones, full story of good how evening. all crimes came together uh, to fill out, you know, a big picture. Catch everyone up. Uh, uh, ten indictments have been handed down. 
Mr. They have been unsealed for now in the hours ahead and, and maybe even the days. We also. should be getting the information anytime now. Um, when this indictment um, is made public, if the former president is in fact indicted, which should be any minute, um, you know, we know that there are a lot of things that have been alleged. You know, here in we are Georgia, live Atlanta, with the, like say, the Coffee County incident, local news station out of Atlanta, Georgia. You know, what evidence connects him directly to this information? You know, there's there's a legal threshold that has to be that has to be crossed, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have you don't necessarily need direct connection. It can be indirect. But practically, if you're indicting him and you're putting it in front of citizens, you want direct connection. And so I'm curious to see what evidence there is. Attorney Robert James, Mr. James, thanks a lot for your time tonight to former DeKalb. Thank you, Mr. James. We appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll be talking to you in the hours ahead. Thanks again. All right, and you just heard him speak about these RICO charges. I want to get back to our Zach Merchants to kind of expand on that. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about potential RICO charges. One um, facet of these charges means that if RICO charges are brought, that means that you could actually see some elements of charges from outside of Fulton County. That kind of opens up the door for that. Also, you're looking at potentially more than one person. Um, as we, a lot of us are familiar with the YSL case that's going on right now, and we saw a, a large amount of people who are involved in that. Um, you were speaking about the APS case that Bonnie Willis tried way back. If he gets convicted, now. does he flee? Does he go to North Korea? Does he go to Russia? Does he go to Saudi Arabia? That might be my pick. Zach, can you expand a Saudi Arabia is a lot nicer than Russia. What? What the significance of a RICO case be here? It's a good question. I think it has a lot of different answers. The, the first is this. A RICO charge, like you mentioned, gives a prosecutor a, a much broader reach in what they can prosecute than what is uh, common for them. It lets them reach out of their jurisdictional boundary if they can prove that a case, or rather an element of their case that happened outside of the, the county where they are situated is connected to the RICO case at large. Um, I actually, I want to run through quickly because it ties into something we've been talking about earlier today. I want to run through the elements of a RICO case. We just heard it in sort of broad strokes, but I think it's worthwhile to dive into the details on this a little bit. This is a moment that we're in. Um, it's a precedent-setting moment. We've seen three indictments around the country at this point naming former President Donald Trump as a defendant. We do not know if the former president is named as a defendant in these indictments, these 10 indictments that we've seen handed down today. But we will learn more in the coming hours. And signs suggest that there is a good likelihood that the former president may indeed be named as one of the defendants here. And I think the best way for us to move forward and move through it, and really the only way to get through it, is to dig in and lean into these details. So this is the Georgia RICO statute's three elements that a prosecutor needs to- He's gonna read the statute to us to kill time. Enterprise that existed. Second, they've gotta show that the wording here is a pattern of racketeering activity existed. And to do that, uh, you need to prove, a prosecutor needs to prove two predicate crimes, two qualifying crimes that can include things like forgery, 
false statements, perjury, computer... But they're doing a great job. They really are. A slew of others. And finally, a prosecutor needs to show that the defendant, whoever is named, and there could and likely will be many... They had very informative packages that, that wrapped everything up. Because you might remember earlier today and throughout the... Cock teases for the next one to three hours. How to put it, this report that was published by... They're the sticking with it. We're sticking with it. Um, we're all troopers. Is everybody high enough for this shit? Because I'm not. There was a document posted to the Fulton County Court's website that showed the former president facing more than a dozen criminal charges. We do not know if that document is legit or not. The clerk of the county court says that it, yeah, is, I do. Said it is fictitious. We also want to note, though, that the you live in sexual of that anarchy. document that Reuters published and wrote on seems to match the typical formatting for other standard Fulton County. I missed the door shot. We had a door shot earlier. Interest right now. And again, we don't know if this document is, is real or not. I got to pack another it one is, clinically. This document, I have it here. Um, it shows in this list of potential charges against the former president. Essentially, again, it looks like a leak. Maybe. Again, it's yeah. hard to say. It could be. But some of the same predicate crimes that are in the RICO statute are also named in this document that may or may not be real. So this is sort of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Election interference, which means uh, maybe most importantly for the public is they will be able to see the evidence and they will be able to see Mr. Trump and they will. And it appears they've been live since like four o'clock in the afternoon or some shit. In all probability will be facing. If whoever is named right in these indictments, yes. And, and I think that's one of, especially in the climate that we find ourselves in, no matter how you feel about the former president or the political situation we all are in as a country and no matter how you feel, no matter what party, what uh, orientation you have politically, I think everybody feels like this has been a long past few years and a long many years here, a lot of stress, a lot of controversy. And it's just beginning. In all likelihood, ways. it may be. One of the benefits, if there is such a thing, um, of whatever may happen next, is that anything that happens is going to happen in open court. And in Georgia and all... Oh, yeah, they totally have pizza clinically. Cameras and yeah. having having worked in a gazillion newsrooms, everybody can watch everybody. They've got pizza. Evidence presented and hopefully make up their. But it's like fucking dominoes or something. No, um, it should be noted that uh, a coalition of First Amendment advocates uh, has been pushing for a long time to get camera access into federal courts. The Supreme Court recently, um, during the COVID sky comet. Wow, it is way past your bedtime which was a big deal at the Supreme Court level. But, but you were here for, on a historic night. This is I should say still or apparently indictment number four for former President Donald Trump. You were at Georgetown Law. I would think the reporters have told us we're highly supportive within an hour to three hours. We will know the charges. We are expecting a press conference at some point in time. Am I correct? That's hard to say. I don't want to. I don't want to be. Thank you for going back to the door. Um, I think, without getting too into the legal weeds, at first blush, it sounds like an indictment has been handed down and unsealed. Ten of them. Ten indictments. Watch when. In a lot of they expect Trump to be one of them. Maximum possible power. This is a place where. So ninety percent. 
sentenced to be spent behind bars, potentially their entire life spent behind bars. The stakes are incredibly high, and of course, you would want cameras in there. And I think... And this is a trial. If and when this goes to trial, attorneys who practice in federal courts, we will more than likely have cameras. Cameras into the courtroom, you risk taking the focus away from purely the evidence, purely the testimony. And now, it is possible the judge could bar cameras. I believe they have that discretion. Outside of the court, you hear the O.J. Simpson trial come up right. frequently as a sort of example of what federal courts want to avoid. And, and in some ways, you can see the case being made by federal judges that this is to make them make sure, as best they can, that the case gets done right. So here's what I'm hearing from you. Correct me if I'm wrong. Please. That this will... This yes, apparently the sheriff has said that we will get a mugshot. Has the potential to throw... And that arraignment would probably take place in the next day or two. That's the thing, right? Um, you know, uh, sunshine is the best disinfectant. And Ted Cruz doing commentary on Fox. I don't want to say how I feel. I don't want to you know, express opinions here, but I think there are folks who... That sniveling bastard. The thing, especially in a highly politicized environment, is let the evidence speak for itself. It's a cornerstone bedrock of our justice system writ large. And being able to see what's happening inside of our courts inside of our Georgia courts, uh, I think... I think the chat is hyped. ...going to be yet another... I woke, I woke you up, Warlord. ...sits up and takes notice to what's happening here in our state. And it's late at night over across the pond. ...big point to show that Georgia is... Sky Comet uh, gets up early. It really is, and I, I want to ask you something. I'm glad that you spoke about that because a lot of people have been taking notice. I mean, we've been online, on social media all day, people asking questions leading up to this. And I want to talk to you about... Oh, I'm sorry. Viewers, My apologies. We didn't all go to law school, so some people might not understand, you know, the difference... Sorry to interrupt your UGO stream. ...an eight-month investigation who saw some of the same people. Former uh, Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan, B. Wynn, Jen Jordan, George Chief... Hugs and hearts to you, Sky Comet. But then they were subpoenaed again to speak today. So could you just kind of break down what the significance of that and why did they need to do that? I, I, it's hard to say a little bit with... with great specificity unless and until we hear from District Attorney Fonnie Willis, which... What, what, what do you think goes too slow for you, Libertad? ...question that we ask, and I, I think we should get an answer to. Generally speaking, a special purpose grand jury, they're fairly rare in the state of Georgia. They are convened to investigate one particular matter. This yeah. one, as you said, it took months investigating yeah. the 2020 presidential election and efforts... I couldn't do 4 a.m. ...results here in Georgia. Special purpose grand jury while they can investigate, they don't have... You're on my watch list. Write a report. What watch list is that? Your kiss is on my list. They can't return what's known as a true bill, meaning that the grand jury believes there's probable cause. Oh, I've been, call I've been calling the calling oats. You don't Hotline again. Purpose grand jury as a prosecutor, but if you do in the state of Georgia, it becomes sort of a two-step dance. Yeah. The special purpose grand jury serves an investigative function, but then the prosecutor has to take evidence to a regular grand jury. This is a, a, a very I highly thing. recommend therapy. Apparently, it's really good. I've never done it, but apparently, it's really good for people. Uh, I hear really good things about people that that can afford it. To the regular grand jury to return an indictment or not. You know, with the proliferation of television cameras in courtrooms and... Because, uh, like, if you don't have somebody like a therapist, you you take advantage of your friends and you dump on them and they don't deserve that. 
And also, like, it, it like it gives you bad feedback and they shit. Remain a mystery, a yeah. riddle, and an enigma to most that we don't quite have the same. So, like, you need you need somebody like a therapist in that position where they're like clinically assess, like you're you're trauma dumping on them. Is there, and it should be. You know, found in a courtroom. Generally speaking, I'd say that's right. I, and they know they know how to respond to shit and stuff. Sort of merely your, your friends out like they don't know how to handle it. Uh, we've talked about like I'm preaching to the choir. The burden of proof required for a grand jury to return an indictment much, much, much lower than what is required for a criminal jury at trial to door be pussy. <laughs> that said, a grand jury still has to come. To but or, I thought you told me you were British. Citizens, you guys love a fucking pump and circumstance, fucking long walk down Downton Abbey bullshit. Certainly a lower bar than what's required at trial, but uh, it's not nothing by any means. It's a significant milestone, and I think this is a good moment just to say. Long walk down Downton Abbey. Even though. The former president is now currently facing three indictments in three cases around the country. We don't know if he's named in an indictment here in Fulton County. We don't know. We're going to read those indictments and see what it says. Yeah. This is still precedent setting for us here in Atlanta. It's precedent setting for the metro, for the state, and for the country. This yeah. is a big... And, like, hey, they have telehealth now. Like, in, like, I think that's a cheaper option, too. Like, maybe do a, what is, like, a better health or something. I haven't looked into it to see if it's a scam, but that could be... We're, we're very... We're pleased as punch. Trauma dump with the person over Zoom? joined our team not too long ago so thank you so I, that i don't i don't doubt sky comment right uh, someone we were just talking about george cheaty he is speaking with our jennifer bellamy live outside of the courthouse right now we did hear from him briefly he was fun earlier I to say about an hour ago when he said that you know what i it feels it feels like a long time ago yeah, yes so jennifer can you talk to him a little bit about what he witnessed today in the court i see him peeking in <laughs> <laughs> Here. You see him here. He's ready. He's had a long day. They're asking how you are today because you. We know I'm you've. Fine. We know you. I certainly uh, don't know how to process emotions. I'm trying. Talk to us a little bit about what you can tell us about what you experienced today in there during that grand jury proceeding. I experienced not much actually. I went in at four o'clock. Uh, Talked about movies. In fact. I have Oppenheimer tickets, like the good one in Buford at the IMAX with 70 millimeter for 1115 because I thought, like, how could they screw up at 1115 showing at night on a Monday? Like, here I am. Uh, they called me early. I went in at four o'clock and I sat until about Poor guy. Nine. We know with politics, it's often a lot of hurry up and wait. But we also know that you stumbled into that that group, that meeting of the alternate or fake. That's a good one. I know that that was part of what your your testimony or what they wanted to hear from you. Has anybody seen Oppenheimer yet? I will take exception to the term stumbled. Okay. Uh, and I say that because I was in a room full of other journalists, some of whom are here. I thought it made him sound incompetent. Noticed that one of the Republican electors was walking around, like somebody who would have been an elector had Donald Trump won the state. Uh, this is a person that I had known since he was a child, um, but he wouldn't make eye contact with me. He was behaving strangely, and because of that, I had an instinct to follow him into a room with a camera going, and that's when I found the so-called fake electors doing their thing. What? And then they threw me out. 
What was so important for you about being here today and also sharing your observations and your experiences today? I know you've been speaking. He uncovered the fake electors, not stumbled. In that space and being able to tell what you saw and experienced. So one, it is an extremely unusual and fraught thing for any journalist to be called in front of a grand jury. We are not agents of the government. We are adversaries. We have to be willing to challenge power. The only reason I'm here is because the stakes are what they are, uh, because I think democracy is at stake. Um, and if it, for, it was for anything less than that, mm, then I'd be stake. in a silo in Montana someplace. You know, this would not be happening. Um, I think I had a, a small piece of the puzzle um, and maybe not a necessary one. Uh, and that's fine, and it's probably a good thing that I didn't have to testify because the big journalism questions about coercion don't have to be raised. I think we're fine now. Um, but I think it speaks to just how damaged our democracy is. Like, we are right at the edge of losing our democracy uh, because we haven't figured out how to resolve political problems like adults, like in courtrooms or at ballot boxes. And I fear a, that this country will descend into a sort of Northern Ireland state of faction unless we sort this out. I know you have plans, so I want to ask you one final question. What do you think the folks, our viewers at home, could be worse? Along with this process, <laughs> like if, if we're going to model ourselves after a after a civil warring state, it could be worse than Northern Ireland. So, one, um, we live in a very striated city. I was on the train this morning, getting, or this afternoon, coming here, and there was a guy who recognized me for nothing about this. They were looking at me because I'm uh, doing a podcast about the YSL trial and the Young Thug case. Um, two Atlantas, one that cares about this and one that honestly doesn't. Um, this is important. This is objectively important. But I think we lose sight of how many other problems there are in American society that we don't give this kind of attention to. And that's the kind of journalism I want to practice, is to make people look at those things. Because there's no shortage of coverage of this. I have never seen anything like this in my life. I got attacked like wolves as I came out of the building. But... Um, yeah, 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 a little old streamer me is watching murdered watching your live stream. Week, and there will be one news reporter who shows up and says something. Dragon jokey jokes. Everybody will disappear and nobody will care. And that's as much a tragedy as anything that we're talking about. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate your time tonight and your perspective and you sharing your experiences with our audience. I was having an argument with a right winger about what... He actually found offensive about genderqueer and this book is gay. Awaiting the grand jury's decision on potential indictments into this from earlier into attempts to overturn Georgia's live? election results. Yeah, the indictments were just delivered to Judge Robert McBurney. You're seeing video. Oh, shit. Of Fulton County Superior Court judge. It looks like it. Leading this investigation. We know that there are 10 indictments, but right now we don't know exactly who is being indicted. But here's a closer look at the indictments returned from the special grand jury. Today's date is written on those documents. They have been unsealed. There are 10 
indictment. And now that we know a decision that was reached, let's talk about what happens next. First, the district attorney's office plans to hold a news conference with the details of the grand jury recommendations to indict. And we are told that could occur in the next one to three hours. That's likely when we get the list of who is on that list and what the charges may be forthcoming. After Your kiss is on my list. will happen inside the Fulton County Courthouse for anybody charged with a crime. The Georgia election probe. Stop letting me sing. I can't sing. Shortly after the indictments are then issued, they will hear the charges against them read aloud. Each one will enter a plea of guilty, not guilty, or nolo, which means no contest. And this could happen within a few days, maybe up to a week, depending on how many defendants and where those people may live. Yeah, it's so innocuous to me, like two college students playing with a dildo. Likely be booked at either the courthouse or more traditionally at the Fulton County Jail. Booking will likely involve fingerprints and a mugshot. Sheriff Pat Labatt said that he is going to treat these defendants like any other defendants in Fulton County. Now, because these are nonviolent charges, chances... I believe that would mean that it's 10 different people because each indictment would have different counts. Downtown right now, John Shirick is standing by. He has more information. We have seen him in the middle of, of uh, the gaggle of reporters that were interviewing George Cheedy about an hour and a half ago. John, where are you right now and what kind of information can you uh, share with us? We are at one end of a long row of reporters from all over the country and all over Georgia and all over Atlanta. We are waiting with everyone else to find out what the information is going to be coming from District Attorney Fonnie Willis inside. So there are news crews outside who have been waiting to talk with witnesses as they left throughout the afternoon and evening. And then there are reporters inside waiting for the District Attorney Fonnie Willis to tell us what's going to happen next and what those indictments are going to be and when they're going to be released to the public so we'll know exactly who has been indicted and what those charges are. So this is uh, really a sort of a lull. I do not speak any Latin tones. We all await uh, to find out exactly what these charges are. Does no one speak Latin these days? No, no one speaks the dead language these days. appreciate it as always as we continue to wait for the next couple of hours to see the indictments as they are unsealed. We will find out more information. But again, this whole process has been... Okay, fair enough, Warlord. ...that has gone on... Pope does indeed speak Latin. So another... Two and a half to three hours is no big deal, right? I was going to say, it's been <laughs> a waiting game, a waiting game. And like we know, I mean, yeah. District Attorney Fonnie Willis, she was elected in 2020. She started her appointment in 2021. And so we, we could be here until investigation, a big part of what led around midnight the investigation was the infamous phone call. The 11,000. I do have news prepared. It was almost her first day on the job that she dealt yeah. with that. Uh, she was... Uh, Good night, Warlord. Successful campaign for district attorney. I didn't say it was going to take until midnight. As as being elected to the office. And midnight is only two hours from now. Very active in the office that uh, she inherited from Paul Howard after defeating him soundly. Uh, she has been active on the gang front, yeah. active on the Trump front, and she has had a very high profile here uh, in the city that oftentimes... I didn't have a lot of news. A lot of my news centered around Trump. This town for a very long time. What is but we do have we do have news. I, mean, I, I see lightning. If you keep seeing me look, 
Georgia. I like there has been lightning strikes several times. And that's what people say. She's a tough fighter. She's a tough cookie. Is that prevalent through her previous um, cases? You know, I, I think we first got to know her in 2015 when she used these. I prefer not to have my electronics on during storms. The Atlanta public schools. Yeah. Which my computer tells me it's clear. Story, uh, an unbelievable story of tragedy around here, how it's impacted so many thousands of kids who may never catch up. It may impact their ability to succeed in life. Is, is Libertad saying uh, news? Hopefully we will not see that happen again, but uh, that where I it looks like we are two hours tops with Rico charges. It's going to be really interesting to see. And I mean, just speaking on the waiting game, you had. I do need a UPS. You're jury, you're correct. You had a special purpose grand jury that sat for eight months. They spoke with 75 different witnesses. Some of those same witnesses we saw walk in and out of the courthouse this morning. So this has been a long time coming. Um, and some folks, I mean, our Teresa Bowles actually caught up with D.A. Willis at a back to school event recently and she said we're prepared for this we're ready for this um so it looks like that she could be ready those indictments 10 indictments have we can you're right clinically who's indicted yet we're waiting for that but like you said two or three hours what, what's two or three hours well we've talked god damn it is getting like this that we are in sort of an lightning is far far more frequent ramifications of this as we have an election year coming upon us oh i see them well their storm went away as but that's probably the storm that's hitting me. Uh, the other side will see it as uh, the... the you oh, there know, it is, in, in northern so Georgia. De depending yeah. on what your political perspective, uh, yeah. it probably is how you will... Uh, you will frame this. And she did mention in an email that she sent to her. Um, I love this one. It's been so a, good to uh, me. Campaign video. I'd like to get another five years out of it at least. Which I mean, when I say five years, like. Basically said, do not respond. We are not. Yeah, which parts? Part of this. We are going to be impartial. And so. We'll need a new video card in five years for sure. Will show up in whatever these indictments or charges. But like it or not, she is a part of it. Yeah. A big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're going to go to Joe Ripley right now, who is uh, in downtown Atlanta. Joe, it's all yours. For what the up, Joe? Dose of information, please. Yeah, so we understand that in probably a little less than three hours, we should know. A little less than three hours. Know who is being charged and with. Severe thunderstorms until 3 a.m. election, an election that has been under contention for several years now. You mentioned Georgia as the political center, it seems like, of the South at the very least, if not the entire country, making history. In okay, I'm looking at the map. It looks like it's going to go by me. In 2023, and yet more history to be made here tonight. You can see the security measures that have been in place for much of the last week or so. According to the map, I should just be seeing lightning, either in patrol vehicles and not experiencing lightning. units, some deputies facing our way, some facing the courthouse. When it comes to securing this perimeter, this is their utmost priority. Yeah, my uh, my SSD isn't even that old. I got it in like 2021. Whom are supportive of D.A. Willis's investigation into Georgia's 2020 election. They want the truth to come out. They want a jury of their peers to uh, try this case. And uh, we've heard it from several witnesses, including former Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan. Let the American people decide. Let Americans learn what truly happened in this election, this election that has been talked about year after year up to this point. You have uh, potential uh, former president under indictment here in Atlanta. Uh, we are still waiting. My ass is going to hurt. 
if, in fact, former President Trump does face charges here. But he is the front runner. Let us remind you in the GOP uh, nomination race for 2024. It seems like in every poll that he and current President Joe Biden are kind of neck and neck or, or split. And so what does this indictment, what will the preceding uh, arraignment do uh, for President Trump, former President Trump's chances in 2024? We'll have to wait and see. Security-wise, we understand that local, state, and federal law enforcement... Are it appears from polling to try that it makes them even more likely... To win the Republican primary, and even less likely to lose the general election, or even less likely to win the general election. That's it. You know, this case, this responsibility. They're hearing this case. They're hearing several others here in the Atlanta area, and so. But there is reason to worry. Top of mind, that's what the Fulton County Sheriff's Office is charged with doing. We've heard throughout the summer. We've heard Patrick Labat, the sheriff here in Fulton County. He sent deputies down to Miami. He sent deputies up to Washington D.C. and to New York, where former President Trump is, has been facing uh, has been facing charges, has been indicted previously uh, up until this point to try and learn just how to secure this perimeter, how to keep this courthouse area safe. And the real test, I would argue, has not even begun. Just wait until we learn who these defendants are in this indictment that has been returned to Judge McBurney. Once we find that out in a matter of hours, we will understand when they will be coming here. They will have to be uh, processed here in the Fulton County Courthouse, uh, much like you have seen in our, our special coverage uh, leading into today. Um, what will this area look like? Atlanta can be a very charged city. That I miss working in live TV. Hey, dude, nobody told you to get up here. To political matters. How will we see law enforcement respond? They've gotten a plan together. How well that plan holds up, we'll have to wait and see. Here's a smoky. Uh, Joey, I think my question for you has to do with security. Do you, do you see any potential protesters anywhere near this ring of intense security, really, that has been going on now for about 10 days around that area? You know, it's a little surprising. We haven't seen that many protesters, Jeff, and none who have been belligerent. There's that one dude. Demonstrative. They're simply. He's looking at the camera. He's a ham. Voices heard. We've seen a couple of signs here. Um, very peaceful. Uh, as I think yeah, the storms can't be too bad. They're shaggy. Uh, that's why I, I pose to you this, Jeff. What will this look like here in a few days when maybe. There's your Scooby at, dude. Who's listed in them. Is it fair in their eyes that they are being charged? Is this politically motivated? We heard from George, uh, former Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan before. We've heard from Gabe Sterling and the Secretary of State's office. They're concerned and in some cases worried that violence may crop up. We have not seen that yet, but the political divide is, is very stark right now. So we'll have to see how these proceedings from this night forward add to that division or possibly you know if if law enforcement is here to try and keep that peace and keep that divide from getting even deeper you know you know that's got comment for a while now as you have go ahead light one up tip one back it's all right to have a little fun before you get the groups who might want to disrupt the proceedings we learned jeff a couple of weeks ago that there have been threats what Fulton County Sheriff Pat Labatt. He got serious. Against him, 
against DA Willis, against their respective entities. This is a case that has brought out, unfortunately, the, the worst in some people. And so, as a result, some of these entities, like the sheriff, like DA Wells, have had to have extra security. They've gotten letters, they've gotten texts and phone calls. We have learned from a press conference just the other day that this case stoked. And so, at the moment, it seems very peaceful out here. It seems as though those threats are under control um, and, and that there's no imminent threat to folks. I think I heard somebody throw up. Walking by, driving by, concert goers, uh, folks just generally curious about what's going on out here at the courthouse. But they seem safe. They, they seem like, you know, they're just going about their business. That's how we feel tonight. We've got a, a row of reporters behind us who have been nothing but kind. Uh, and, and so have the law enforcement, I might add, who have spent hours out here themselves trying to secure this scene and the perimeter, uh, a lot of whom say it's a, it's a fluid situation. We saw earlier this morning when law enforcement had to uh, confront a group of protesters in a separate matter, but they are ready. They are, are willing to step in as needed. And so, Jeff, security around the courthouse is ramped up already. It'll probably be like that for a while, I suspect. All right, Joe Ripley from downtown Atlanta reporting for us all night. Thanks for your good work, Joe. We always appreciate it. Thank you so much, Joe. Okay, Thank so you, Joe. Update about 9:58, so just about five minutes ago, we did receive a statement from the Trump campaign. Keep in mind, we oh yes, yes, let's hear it. Let's hear it. We do not know who is yet indicted. However, this statement from the Trump campaign—they are calling out uh, District Attorney Fonnie Willis, calling her a radical Democrat. Uh, part of the statement says they could have brought this two and a half years ago, yet they choose to do this for election interference reasons in the middle of President Trump's successful campaign. They go on to say that this is a legal double standard set against President Trump and it must end. So they seemingly are responding to an indictment, but once again, we don't know yet if the president is mentioned in these indictments. We should learn that in the next, hopefully less than three hours here with a press conference from DA Fonnie Willis's office. But right now we want to get to our Rebecca Lindstrom. She was actually inside of the courtroom that you all saw when that big stack of papers was being handed to Judge Robert McBurney and then Rebecca uh, per your reporting, you all were asked to leave. So can you paint a picture for us, if you will, beyond, I know you guys had to wait for a little bit, and then he finally entered the courtroom. <laughs> Yeah, this really has been a waiting game throughout the day, really for for everyone, not just the media. We have been in and out of the courtroom just trying to get an assessment of what's going on with the grand jurors throughout the day. And what we have determined was around 7 o'clock, they were trying to decide if they were going to keep going and um, try to continue this tomorrow or, you know, they really had to make that decision. And so we were sort of on a standby. Is this going to wrap up in about an hour? We're all going to go home and then we'll come back tomorrow to see what the grand jurors have decided. Or do they really feel like they have enough information to make a decision now? And what we saw then around 844 when Judge McBurney came back into the courtroom was that they indeed had decided that they had enough information. I don't even remember what he said now. She just read it. In that courtroom was Sheriff Labatt. He was joined with two deputies, at least two deputies. There were three other men that were standing along the wall. We have yet to identify exactly their role at this time, but they did appear to be standing up, sort of looking out amongst the media to make sure that there weren't any problems. And 
the only people who walked into that room then were the Fulton County Superior Court uh, clerk, Alexander, uh, excuse me, Shay Alexander, and then a member of the district attorney's office. They came in with the indictments. They handed it to Judge McBurney. He flipped through some of the pages. He asked just a few very simple questions, wanting to know, did the process go as they expected? Did everything go all right? They received an affirmative answer. And at that point in time, he signed those indictments and then handed it back to the court clerk saying, I am handing these back to you to take and to process and to make sure that they get where they need to be. All of that, all of that waiting throughout the day came down to about two minutes. That was it, just two minutes from the time the papers came into the courtroom to when he signed them and they left the courtroom. I can tell you a lot of us were really expecting that we were going to get more information about what was in those indictments at that point in time, but it just didn't happen. And even when some of the media tried to nudge, ask, see if they could get a little bit of information, uh, Judge McBurney just sort of uh, jokingly said, uh, well, you know, I didn't look at them that closely. And and he made it very clear that he was not giving up any information on what was inside those that we were going to have to wait until they were officially filed with the clerk's office and then the district attorney had a chance to explain more about her process and the indictments that she was seeking. So that was sort of the feel inside the courtroom is for why we had to leave. I think it's just for security reasons. Uh, they were deciding that they needed to go ahead and lock up that courtroom and in order to do that the deputies couldn't leave until everyone was out of the courtroom. So at that point in time, they just asked everyone to leave so that they could go ahead and lock up the courtroom. There didn't seem to be much more to it than that. Uh, we do know that if you need to go in and out, you probably can, but not for any official business. What was interesting, I, I do want to just throw in, is that we already knew that the magistrate hearings were going virtual. We know that the district attorney's office had, you know, the, the judges that most of their staff were going to be working remotely. So there wasn't a lot of court activity happening. But around five, six o'clock at night, as even staff who were inside the building started to leave, the hallways just got eerily quiet for this courthouse. I mean, this is probably the busiest courthouse in the state of Georgia. And to have the hallways be virtually empty, minus a couple dozen reporters felt certainly a bit strange. And I'll apologize, I did have to pop this out because we were having a little bit of interference, but I'm gonna put it back in in case you had any questions that you wanted to ask at this point in time. Back to you. Rebecca, Judge McBurney is a very familiar figure in these here parts. He was appointed in 2012 Bernie. by former Governor Nathan Deal, and Judge McBurney did his undergrad at Harvard and also Harvard Law School. A familiar figure around here, I think about him, with uh, the battle with the King family over the possessions of Dr. King, uh, also the abortion law that, that was uh, at issue involving uh, Governor Kemp. So we do know him well. We have seen a lot of his work over the years on television as uh, he has had a very strong presence here in our city and certainly is now presiding over one of the most famous nights that we have had in a very long time. Uh, around North Georgia and in the state of Georgia, for that matter. We want to go back to downtown Atlanta right now. Doug Richards is standing by where he has been all evening long. Let's bring him in now. And Doug, what have you uh, been able to gather here since the last time we chatted? How's Doug doing? Doug is very quiet tonight for the most part, but we will check. Doug's been very busy out there. <laughs> Doug has been very busy. We will They're putting me to sleep. Fuck the Pope. There he is. It looks like he's Doug, can you hear us? 
Yeah, it always takes two tosses to me to, uh, <laughs> to actually get me. Doug, I've been working with TV. you for almost 40 years. The I man that likes to get tossed. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, yeah, I, you know, what you said about Judge McBurney is interesting in that, uh, like you said, he was a Republican. Well, Warlord, I don't think I have access to Fox News, like, Presumably just live. The, the trial judge in this case, if and when there is a trial, and... I, I prefer the I prefer the local news channels. Make an announcement from the bench as to what the indictment was. It would be that he didn't want to appear on camera to be the guy announcing that the Smokey. former president of the United States uh, had Smokey. been indicted. He's a neutral. And in the other indictment, the federal indictments that have come out of Miami. Sorry about that. I've tended to hear from prosecutors, and in this case. Um, having McBurney read it, I'm sure seemed very seemed very awkward for him, and probably given his status as the potential trial judge in this case, as the likely trial judge in this case, um, he just didn't want to be that guy. Cancel Smokey. Now and tomorrow, reading that indictment. I haven't talked to him, and I'm not saying that's actually the case, but it's one certainly one possibility. Another possibility, another thing to consider here. That is one was all smoky. It had nothing to do with me. Republican appointee. All of the appellate judges are. I wouldn't think you'd be killing anybody. You're just, These are what? The appellate judges who would hear appeals that the Trump campaign, presumably, or the Trump's lawyers, the President Trump's lawyers would file uh, if they objected to anything. Uh, the Supreme Court of Georgia is chock full of. Republican appointee. Well, there goes, Smokey. Um, so if this case, you know, goes sideways for the former president and he wants to appeal this case, those are the courts he has to appeal to. It's not the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, I thought you White just White meant, like, get my, my Twitch canceled. We've seen uh, some protesters Which say, you did. You know, there's no, he, he, the former president in a federal case, if he were convicted of something, could potentially uh, Other tones. Wait. Would not be able to, the former president slash maybe newly elected president again in 2024 would not be able to pardon himself. Again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but but these are significant. Well, the real tones, please stand up. That this would be, if in fact this is what happened, uh, a Republican president getting indicted in a Republican state with Republican officials, not only running the mechanism of the judiciary. But also, Atlanta is a beautiful city. In some cases, some of the uh, star witnesses against uh, the former president. And so, while there will be complaints of unfairness, um, it would be a whole lot different if this was a democratic state. I don't know what this cat's doing down here. Thank you. We appreciate Acting it. I'm glad weird. we were able to get you all linked up and set and ready to go. We appreciate the information and the wisdom as always. Even if it takes two tosses. <laughs> That's right. And probably right. a lot more. All right. Yep. It's a man that likes to get tossed. It's been a long day. It is 10 o'clock and we are... Oh, you are tones? We hope that you are hanging in there with us because we are excited to bring you the information as we get it. But let's start off from early this morning when the courthouse opened. God damn it. We saw a lot of movement. You did that on purpose. Side of the courthouse after a relatively quiet week. Door shot. Week, we knew that Grand Jury A was going to be hearing some, um, some, uh, 
information in this case, and we know that because of some people that we were seeing coming in and out of the courtroom. We spotted B. Wynn. She's a former state house rep. We saw Jen Jordan come in. She's a former state senate rep. Wynn confirming her camp confirming to us through a statement that she did indeed testify this morning. Jordan, actually, uh, Doug, who you just saw there, he was able to look. Like this cat is acting like he's lost. Seconds, and she described her testimony. We also standing saw in the middle of the floor. He is with the Secretary of State's office, and I saw reports that he gave an hours-long testimony today. Uh, we also saw some cops in protest. Cop City is not related Cop City. to this, um, these charges, but we did see some folks, and if you all are familiar with Cop City, if you're not, it is a Atlanta Public Safety Training Center, and so we did see some protests out there for that. Uh, just before 1 p.m., we did see a publish uh, what we cannot confirm is true or if they are actually charges, but Reuters published some what looked like some charges from this indictment before the indictment was handed up. They deleted it. Fulton Courts later released a statement saying that this document was fictitious. Trump lawyers drew Findling and Jennifer Little issued a statement saying this was not an administrative mistake, referring to that case number and the judge's name. Around 3.30, uh, sources told NBC that they heard, the jury heard, five out of ten plan witnesses. Uh, at 5 o'clock, 5.05, we see that the court is still open. The courthouse is still open. It's supposed to shut down at 5 o'clock. That's when we knew, okay, we might be here for a long night. Um, and then we were waiting on um, George Cheedy, who you saw our Jennifer Bellamy speak to, that he gave testimony in the special purpose grand jury. He was subpoenaed to give a testimony in this grand jury. He did not. Uh, he was supposed to be one of those 10 witnesses. But former Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan did give testimony. So that is where we are right now. We know that 10 indictments were handed up. We know that the DA is expected to give a press conference at some point, uh, and that is what we're waiting for and now we're going to go to John Shirek who is actually in that scrum with George Cheedy that we saw a little earlier today so John you're outside of the courthouse we know that there's a lot of motion everybody's in this Yum. pattern scrum what, what are you hearing right now one of the grand jury witnesses who was excused before he even testified, as you mentioned, was Atlanta journalist George Cheedy. And here is some video of Cheedy that we recorded about an hour ago as he left the Fulton County Courthouse. Cheedy was ready to tell the grand Cheedy been acting seedy. Walked in on a meeting of Republican Party activists at the state capitol. That was no names, no details released yet meeting were the Georgia GOP's so-called alternate electors or fake electors who are preparing to take over, if you will. They were Trump supporters who were trying to try to represent Georgia in the electoral college vote. In Why didn't I make dinner before the stream? issue. All right, John, yep. thank you so much for that insight. Um, and, you know, it's really interesting perspective to see what exactly is going on. And just the big question of the night, when are we going to find out who's indicted and what these charges are? Well, the expectation is that it will take a number of hours yet. Uh, again, we do not know an official timetable, but it was about 90 minutes ago that we heard that it could be as much as three hours. So we simply will wait here and we will continue to sort of take a look at some of the evidence, some of the information that we know how it is playing out legally and certainly so apparently still an hour and a half 
are two major. So before before midnight. And that is the law side, the legal side, and the politics as we get ready for an election year. Mm -hmm. And that is the wild card in all of this. Those who are supporters of uh, former President Trump, they believe. Oh, it does really look like I'm bald when I'm like their candidate is sitting back. Those who do not care for Mr. Trump believe that the rule of law must be adhered to, that this is the issue that he misbehaved and his associates have done as well. Good. Argue to say that there are some in between as well, even though polling does suggest that polling does suggest that he is still the front runner. All right, here are a closer look at the indictments returned from the special grand jury. Today's date is written on the documents, and again, it says that there are 10 indictments. And now that we know a decision was reached, we want to take a look about what's going to happen next. Now, first, the district attorney's office plans to hold a news conference with the details of the grand jury recommendations to indict, and we are told that that could happen again in the next one to yeah. three hours. We do not know at this point. Now, that is likely when we get the list of who is on the list and what those charges he are. He just made the list. The next step is the arraignment process. Arraignments will happen inside the Fulton County Courthouse for anyone charged with a crime. The Georgia election probe defendants will then appear before a judge shortly after the indictments are issued. They will hear the charges against them read aloud. Each one will enter a plea of guilty, not guilty, or no low, which of course means no contest. Now this could happen within a few days or up to a week, depending on how many defendants and where those people may live in the United States. So each defendant, they are also gonna go through a booking process here. Each of those defendants will likely be booked either at the courthouse or more traditionally at the Fulton County Jail. That booking will likely involve fingerprints, maybe a mugshot. Uh, and because these are not violent charges, chances are most of them will be released from custody on some type of bond. So it's been more than two years since the 2020 election and the investigation into election meddling has taken almost just as long. And it's been a very long, kind of confusing road for a lot of folks who are not legal experts. Uh, so we're going to break down exactly how we got here. Yeah, and it all started in... Oh, we're doing this package again. Election. We've been, we've been here long enough for them to show the package again. ...to concede. His allies wasted no time going on the offense to overturn the results, first calling for Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to resign. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham making one of the first phone calls into Raffensperger's office to discuss Georgia's results. Uh, the future of the country hangs in the balance. On December 3rd, Trump's then attorney met Georgia state senators and began claiming Fulton County's election workers committed ballot fraud while counting votes at State Farm Arena. Then came a Trump request for a special state legislative session to investigate voter fraud. It was quickly shut down by Governor Brian Kemp. By mid-December, 16 fake Republican electors signed illegitimate certificates claiming Trump's victory during a meeting at the state capitol. All of these events setting in motion a phone call between Trump and Raffensperger on January 2nd, 2021. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes. After the phone call, you know, Libertad has a really good idea. ...of newly elected Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis. Obviously, it's been... A 
reported around the wor world that phone call and so we have said yes that is part of the investigation but it, we're not narrowing it to that. A year after the Trump Raffensperger call DA Willis seated a special grand jury to investigate the election probe. Over the next eight months several of those subpoenaed refused to comply before eventually being ordered to testify. Trump himself was never called. In January 2023, after 75 witnesses testified, the jurors wrapped up their investigation. We heard a lot of very compelling things, like a lot of very compelling evidence, um, a lot of very interesting things and things that we didn't expect. The jurors have told media outlets they heard at least three recorded phone calls between Trump and Georgia officials. The jury's report, which was partially released to the public, recommended perjury charges against at least one witness. But due to redactions, names were not disclosed. Former President Trump has continued to deny any wrongdoing and has repeatedly attacked D.A. Willis. They've got a local racist Democrat district attorney in Atlanta who is doing everything in her power to indict me over an absolutely perfect phone call. I think that's absolutely perfect on the perfect word phone call, because that's what we want to talk about next. This phone call that was made to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger in 2021. There you go. I think that's better. That prompted this investigation, if not the thing that prompted the investigation. So we want to bring Zach in to talk about it, because you've, you've listened. You're probably one of the very, I don't know, few people on Earth who's listened word for word to that over hour long phone call multiple times. I have listened through it. I, I would Mo Mountain Mutt. I think there's some That's not a journalist or lawyer. Well, you know, who knows? Our, our, our viewers online can can chime in on that. This is the this is a troll patrol favorite. Moment we've the puppy bus. Uh, forgive me if I'm looking down at my phone here. We're texting back and forth with sources and trying to get the latest information from you. A little bit of new information. <laughs> How no, I can't make dinner because I'm slow as fuck. I'm slow making dinner. I'm slow eating dinner. Shining a little bit more light on that, saying that a trial judge is assigned at random by the clerk of the court. So Judge Robert McBurney has been a key player in this case. I got like a chicken breast I got to cook. It needs a bacon. Trial whatever that may look like as we move down the tracks of so the criminal justice process. I got, I've got spaghetti already made in there, but I had that for lunch, so and, and I'd really like to cook that chicken so breast. But the later it gets in, in the night, uh, yes, yeah, the, the, the less chance. Of, and I like I don't know when that chicken breast expires. Going to be assigned randomly. I don't want to have to throw out a chicken breast. In this case, it will be a random assignment. Um, and so we just want to flag that as especially in a night like this where even a chicken cordon bleu the other night of information can have a big difference god it was amazing too that are swirling oh it's so good I, again i'm going to offer uh, i'm going to ask you about the issue of time here how, how long would a trial go on impossible to say he's so happy you know, I went to law school. I am no great legal expert. I think if you talk to folks who have been practicing for many, many years, they would, if they're being honest, say something similar. It's very difficult to say how long a trial like this would take. When could it begin? Uh, again, that's hard to say. I the feds are saying four to six weeks. Handed down. We don't know who is named. We don't know what the charges are. The January 6th trial. Now, because we don't know if there is a RICO charge, if this is a RICO case, case as has been by the way judge cannon exposed another grand jury it is possible that he's a five-time 
Five time, five time indicted former president. To trial the YSL case currently underway is a RICO case currently under the purview of the Fulton County District Attorney's Office, and it has taken months and months um, even to get. Because we apparently have a jury related to the classified documents in a case like this in Washington, D.C. as a defendant, but if there are high profile defendants, if, if. Because the D.C. charges are the January 6th charges at this moment. The documents charges are in Miami. I know, it's hard to keep up with all the different court cases against Donald Trump right now. A real process for a judge and for attorneys to just seat the jury to kick the process off from there. I think the most serious is January 6th. The second most serious would be the classified documents. Right now, and in terms of the third most serious would be the Georgia case. You're right. The former president is way out in front. In the chicken is not expired yet. Right now, we don't know what will happen down the line. But you're right. He is far and away favorite. I would like to marinate my chicken in Caribbean jerk chicken marinade. We're talking about the former president. That is what I would prefer to do with my chicken. Possibly make macaroni and cheese. The focus, as it should be, um, is on what may be happening in Fulton County. But the former president, as we know, is already currently facing at this time three but the, but the, three but the longer it is into this Florida, press conference, Florida, the less chance it is of me marinating a chicken breast. Smokey! Smokey, get off the desk, dude! As we wait for Attorney Fonnie Willis to I am so sorry. announcement that they may make, that she may make, tonight, I think it's useful at this point to zoom out and take a look at... That is also possible, Joey. Federal indictment, the federal election indictment leaned on as... So many things, like so many crimes, all the best crimes. ...featured in that federal indictment and sealed at the beginning of August, charging the former president with four crimes. Mm -hmm. No state was featured more prominently than the state of Georgia. Five full, yeah, five full pages of the 45-page indictment. So how does it queue up in terms of states? Who would have first dibs as far as having him in a courtroom? You're saying if uh, there are already three cases out there right now, it's a jurisdictional challenge. I think when we talk about the road to trial, that's going to be another challenge, and not just because the same defendant is named in these three cases. We don't know if he's going to be named in a, a fourth case here in Fulton County in the coming hours, but attorneys and legal resources also are going to be stretched thin. And so to be able to schedule this out, um, it's going to be quite challenging. It's going to be interesting. And I have a couple of dates here. We don't know an exact date in that DOJ case, but it was suggested by uh, Smith's office to have that trial on January 2nd. That is not set in stone. That's just what they suggested. March 25th is supposed to be the date for that New York trial. That's three weeks after Super Tuesday. May 20th is supposed to be the Mar-a-Lago trial. And if you're looking at just different uh, other civil cases and different um, election um, events, you have a potential civil fraud suit coming up in October. You have the Iowa caucuses on January 15th, Super Tuesday on March 5th, the Republican National Convention on July 15th, and of course, Election Day is next November, which is it's coming up pretty quick. And once again, this is if 
right. the, the former president is charged here. But I do want to get back, because this is a really, really important part of um, these potential charges, is this, this phone call right. that sparked this investigation. Yeah, and, and I want to be a little hesitant to say it sparked it, because we only know what we know publicly. Okay. But I think it's a very safe very accurate thing to say at the very least this is the most high profile piece of potential evidence that is available publicly um, the federal indictment jack smith's election probe indictment featured this call between georgia secretary of state brad raffensperger and then president donald trump prominently we've got some excerpts from that phone call teed up for you if we can let's start with the perhaps most famous or infamous portion of the recording where former President Trump is heard discussing finding votes in Georgia. Let's take a listen if we have this. Look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find... It's okay, uh, I'm just going, no prompter. 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have. Now, that was a key component of the federal indictment that Jack Smith unsealed earlier this month. It's certainly the most well-known. I think it's, it's fair to say that was the one that captured far and away the most headlines. But the federal indictment spent a good chunk of time talking about other components of this phone call that I think it's probably fair to say most people haven't heard. We have these excerpted for you here. Jack Smith, the special counsel, cited, for instance, uh, an exchange between then-President Donald Trump and Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, where the former president claimed that thousands of people who were dead right. voted in the 2020 presidential election. It yeah. was part of his part of his allegations that uh, unlawful activity occurred here and that the election results should be overturned. But if we can, um, can we can we listen in on this chunk of the call here? The other thing, uh, dead people, so dead people voted, and I think uh, the, the number is in the pro uh, close to 5,000 people, and they went to uh, obituaries, they went to uh, all sorts of methods to come up with an accurate number, and a minimum is close to about 5,000 voters. Now, you just heard, you're right, you just heard the words of former president who was then the president, Donald Trump. Later on in that conversation, moments later, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who was the Secretary of State then and, importantly, is still the Secretary of State, responded to former President Trump's comments. Take a listen. Well, Mr. President, the challenge that you have is the data you have is wrong. Uh, we, we talked to the congressmen, and they were surprised, but they, uh, I guess there was a person that came to these meetings and presented data. And he said that there was dead people, of, I believe it was upward of 5,000. The actual number were two. Two. Two people that were dead that voted. You're listening in, if you're just joining us right now, to excerpts of that famous and infamous phone call between then-President Donald Trump and Georgia Secretary of State. The perfect goal. It's a key pillar of Jack Smith's most recent election indictment, unsealed, charging the former president earlier this month with uh, charges related to the 2020 election. Yeah. We don't know if and how much, if so, that call may feature into any local indictments filed here in Fulton County. But understanding that call, I think at the very least, helps ground us in the universe of possible evidence. 2024 looks like a world of which we have never seen in the United States. I think, I think 
Americans are, I don't want to say getting used to, but I think we've seen a lot of years lately for a whole host of reasons, mm -hmm. uh, lots of different reasons that make folks think that every year we are at a point where we think it can't get any more different, any more strange. Or difficult. Uh, or difficult, <laughs> uh, the bar is raised. But I think Atlanta, I think Georgia, I think the country is up to it. All right. All right, Zach Merchant, thank you. We want to go to Caitlin Ross, who has been in downtown Atlanta for us all evening. All evening long. So Caitlin is joining us outside of the Fulton County Courthouse. Caitlin, we appreciate you being out there. We know that it is very busy where you are as we continue to play this waiting game. For those of you who are just joining us, we know that 10 indictments were handed up, but we still don't know at this point who is indicted and what those charges are. Caitlin, we want to toss it out to you to paint a picture for us of what, what you're seeing out there right now. Well, that's such a good point, Faith, because everyone really is like staring at their phones, trying to figure out what's going on, waiting to see who has the latest piece of information. If anyone knows what's going Borg. on in those indictments or who is going to be indicted, it's been hours now that we've all just been like eyes trained on the courthouse, waiting to see if anyone was going to walk out, give us any news. I had, I had to have a bot by know is that District Attorney Fonnie Willis is not going to hold a news conference until after those indictments are read into the record. That means they have to be electronically entered. The clerk then has to scan out a copy. We would be able to see hard copies of those, but that could take some time. They had told us one to three hours, and in that time, of course, everyone is But that was like an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes ago. In that time in between, everyone's just kind of like bracing. Like, what are we going to expect? So we should be close to the time. I was just texting with a state representative who says they were given a directive to work remotely for the rest of today and tomorrow, just not knowing how people are going to react to what's contained in those documents. So I think right now you have people wondering what that says, who's indicted, what are the cr alleged crimes going to be. So there's almost certainly Trump nights happening here as people really parse that out. It hasn't really gotten any thinner out here. A lot of people still waiting around. There's still a very large Eastman, Giuliani, Powell, Linwood, Cheesebro. Security guards at the entrances and exits to the courthouse, even though the courthouse has been shut down for Kanye West's assistant. Inside the courthouse, she told us that they were asked to leave before those indictments were read out. And so no one's even been inside the courthouse for hours that we know of, but Still, all of those entries and exits are guarded with police officers. Very strong presence out here still. What we know about a possible news conference is if it happens, it's likely to be just right out front. That's why you have journalists who are still set up That's out here. That's why we're on door watch. When that information is going to come down. So, Faith and Jeff, a lot of waiting right now as people look for that official word. And I think also a lot of caution because no one wants to take a guess at what might be in those indictments. I think Zach did a great job explaining the process of how it all works without actually thinking what could be in there because at this point we just don't know. Absolutely. And Caitlin, I'm glad that you mentioned just a couple of things here uh, just for everyone at home just to realize what's going to happen next. We did see that the indictments were coming up and after those indictments are read into record, that is when we expect DA Fonnie Willis um, to read those charges. That's who we expect or somebody from the DA's office. And I do want to note, so it was around 921 p.m. that our Nicholas Wooten, who was inside the courtroom, tweeted out that uh, the DA's office will hold a presser. That could be one to three hours. So we're approaching what hour number one now of three from Caitlin Ross we go to Joe Ripley who is in downtown Atlanta to give us an overview of 
of what he is seeing, and things have not been changing very much from your vantage point tonight. That, you think they're uh, waiting to make people go to sleep? Pretty much held itself together all night. Yeah. So far, we have not seen any any protests. We have not seen any. I mean, if you're wanting to quell protests, it's not a bad idea. Uh, viscerally, at this point. Yeah, that's right, Jeff. And really, that could be arguably a testament. I mean, I don't think you'd see protests in Atlanta. You'd probably see people partying. Day long. We've been out here since about 10, 10 30 this morning, and we have seen much of a similar situation where law enforcement at times tested uh, by a group of protesters earlier here on an unrelated matter. But since then, things have really quieted. What are you down. doing, buddy? He's just like in the middle of the floor acting like he's lost. Trying to pursue what, bud? What? Inside for grand jury proceedings, but other than that, really uh, nothing out of the ordinary outside the Fulton County Courthouse or inside for that matter. You heard Caitlin. Uh, attest to the fact that security has been ramped up. This was expected. DA Fonnie Willis had, you know, really told the sheriff's office, told her Oh, staff, God, please don't let it be 4.7 hours. This was coming around this time, so prepare. Shut down if you need to. Go remote if you need to. And so that's why we haven't seen a lot of hubbub, a lot of buzz in and outside the courthouse. I do. Yeah, I don't think the precautions are for protesting. I think the, the precautions are for celebrations. Releasing this statement, really blasting D.A. Willis in this entire election investigation into Georgia's 2020 election. They're asking why this was brought two and a half years after the fact, after this election, um, saying that this could possibly be politically motivated. Obviously, the former president is engaged in legal battles up and down the eastern seaboard. He's also engaged in a fierce competition to become the Republican nominee to challenge current President Joe Biden in the 2024 presidential election. We know how much Georgia Come played on, a role man. in 2020. Imagine what it will be like next year amid all of these legal battles. So is Georgia a swing state now? Also talking about what they're calling a Hollywood coming to Georgia did wonders for the state. Some of these federal uh, prosecutions were brought by uh, Jack Smith, uh, a special counsel, brought in a third party. Uh, and so uh, in this case, this phone call that prompted Fulton DA Fonnie Willis to go after this investigation, uh, really with seemingly uh, former President no tones, no. We'll see if he is listed in the indictment. That's the million-dollar question. That's what everybody wants to know tonight. Unfortunately, we won't find that answer out. We're going to find out by midnight. By my clock. So I'll send things back to you. But quiet scene out here in downtown Atlanta, up the street. Uh, Beyonce held her concert. The Braves won tonight. So at least a few people are happy. We're, meantime, waiting for uh, these answers tonight as far as this election investigation is. Everybody else gone home happy. Cars behind you as well, which is evidence of uh, uh, certainly of the concert that has been going on tonight and, and certainly has been going on uh, over the past over weekend, the right? Over the weekend, a major concert here. Yep. Yeah. Well, well, Beyonce been there like all weekend? Sherrick right now in downtown Atlanta, not that far away from Joe Ripley where he is standing. John? You know, two and a half years after Fonnie Willis began this investigation of Donald Trump, it expanded from there. Suddenly, today, everything moved at lightning speed. One witness after another appearing before the grand jury here at the Fulton County Courthouse. One of the witnesses who was excused. I'm so glad to see you, Tones. It's been a long time since we spent some time together. Was Atlanta Journal. For an extended period of time.
Here is some video of Cheedy about an hour and a half ago as he was leaving the Fulton County Courthouse. Cheedy, we, we, we've experienced a lot of history together here on the Troll Patrol. A Republican Party activists at the state capitol. 2 a.m. is last call for indictments. That meeting, he said. Closing time. It was a meeting of people who wanted to be the alternate electors, GOP activists who were the so-called fake electors, Trump supporters preparing to represent Georgia in the electoral college votes in Congress instead of the Democrats. Wait, wait, wait. Was that the dude that plays Peter Griffin? Five minutes ago that the district attorney believed that that observation was relevant to these legal proceedings. And perhaps it still is, but the jury may have enough information without me to make a decision. I feel like I need to get a little more high. This evening also included the now former Georgia Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan. Duncan is a Republican. Pretty sure Battle Opossum wanted to play Mortal Kombat. Have taken over Georgia's Republican Party and continue to argue that the election in 2020 was stolen. They continue to try to overturn the results in Georgia, which he they was playing Mortal Kombat till like midnight, one o'clock with me. Now that now the kids have gone back to school, is the case. motherfucker is asleep at eleven. Coming out of all that happened, beginning November fourth, twenty twenty. Me too, Tones. I took almost the entire month of March off. Then of course that infamous phone call. And then like we were real sketchy in April still. Fonnie Willis in February of 21, 2021, began this investigation, which is now apparently culminating. I'm glad you're feeling settled in. I'm feeling settled in. Like, I feel like I live here now. It feels like my apartment. Anybody I know in Atlanta, have you ever seen a night quite like this one? This is the place a kind of courthouse. growing on me. I'm kind of into and this place. experience with this historic courthouse really began in February of... Need a few more things. February of 1982, when Wayne Williams was tried and convicted in this courthouse on that fourth floor where the grand jury was just meeting tonight. That trial lasted most of February, and the verdict came down on a Saturday night in February where it was much like what we're seeing here tonight. Uh, it seemed like the whole world was packed into the lobby of the Fulton County Courthouse. Reporter Paul Crawley was on a two-way radio up on the fourth floor long before cell phones telling me what the verdicts were and I was down in the lobby with another two-way radio we were live on the air conveying those we got like boomers reminiscing now shooting the infamous tragic horrible courthouse shooting with Brian Nichols escape escaping this courthouse after shooting judge Roland Barnes upstairs in this courthouse and others as well so there have oh, been some that. tragic scenes some historic scenes at this courthouse those are two examples one more example tonight yeah and another example the name over just over your head and up a little bit Lewis Slayton the former district attorney of Fulton County whose name is now on that building involved of course with Wayne Williams and the tragedy of Atlanta back in that era John Sherrick thank you all right now we want to turn to our eyes and ears inside the Doug? earlier today one of them we did have a couple of reporters Nick Wooten 11 Alive's investigative oh. reporter Rebecca Lindstrom, who was inside the courthouse. So, um, Rebecca, can you put on your investigative hat for us tonight and talk to us a little bit about what you saw just for those who might just be joining us or just giving a I will tell you that I assure you that there were times that I was on the scene of a story when I was doing news. 
that I definitely went to the radio station band and we smoked did. some I spent pot. My day on the eighth floor of this building in Judge McBurney's courtroom, and throughout the day he was coming in when he could, just giving little updates. Oh my God! There's a mining disaster. I had to be on the scene of. Either, but he would receive word from the. And uh, I was at work at the time. And I like it was, a, it was like a Friday afternoon, and I didn't have time to like pack anything. I just went straight to the scene. So like my parents had to bring me a bag. I begged my dad to bring me some drugs. Apparently he didn't have anything, or at least he told me he didn't have anything. To the court clerk and left the courtroom to. It was horrendous. I was stuck like an hour away with no drugs. Exactly what is inside. Now we talk about that staff. And one thing we don't know. It's very accurate because Oswald's not in it. (laughs) Of those papers actually are involved in. Cohen's dropping some hicks in here. Keep in mind the grand jurors were hearing other cases today, and we do know. A favorite comedian. They uh, brought up 10 indictments, but we don't know involving how many different cases those are. But I got to wonder like, okay, if Bill Hicks is still alive today. It's him and Dave Chappelle making trans jokes. Or I would like to think that Bill Hicks would be more enlightened, but also like it could go both ways. It, could, it really could. I would have thought Dave Chappelle was more enlightened. Attorney has had the opportunity to share some of her insight into why. I was hoping to go home early tonight eventually did agree to pursue. Now, I will tell you what was interesting is that just sort of the feeling... I usually have about four pages of notes. That's all I had. That's all I had tonight. When they were brought into the courtroom, and that just wasn't the case. As I said earlier, about two minutes, that was it. Two full pages and then short shit and puppy on the fridge. Staff member with the district attorney's office. All I had. This is all. This is all Trump. He flipped through the papers, signed the ones that he needed. Kansas newspaper raid. We need to talk about that shit. They were off, so he was not giving up any information as to what was on those pages. He was going to leave it for the district attorney and for the court clerk to be able to do their process before that information is released. Bill Hicks became Alex. Told you, like uh, I was in the middle of a rant or something. Uh, I don't remember what we were doing. Of this, oh, it was. Oh, I wanted to clip the thing about Alex Jones and Stephen Crowder. I wanted to clip it for YouTube, but like that's why I said that when I like I made the joke about him being uh, Bill Hicks. It was because of the conspiracy theory. Very orderly, a little eerie, actually walking through the halls and seeing so few people inside. We all know that this is pretty much the busiest courthouse in the state of Georgia. So for the hallways to just be empty. That's exactly right, DJ. And like Hitchens. I hit like I love fucking Hitchens. I loved fucking Hitchens. Um, but like I wonder if Christopher Hitchens would have turned into a, a real asshole. members associated with the proceedings taking place with Hicks hasn't dated well for you, Libertad. I haven't listened to Hicks and. Hurried up to all get here. We waited to see what the decision Probably 10 years. That decision has now been made. So now we are waiting to hear from the district attorney and from the court clerk. But like when I first discovered Bill Hicks, George W. Bush was invading Iraq. So like all the jokes were like exactly the same. Kind of eerie in the halls of. A I'm like discovering Bill Hicks in like 2001, 2002. It's like it's the same fucking thing. But I can see like 
I don't know if he did a lot of topical shit. Surprised me. I have been very impressed with the order. Uh, there was a plan that had been put in place weeks ago, and the staff, the sheriff's office, they have implemented that plan. Everything, you know, I, I don't have any wood to knock on, so I, I don't want to jinx anything, but everything appears to have been going smoothly. There haven't been any major disruptions here. Now, again, it's hard to protest, perhaps, if you don't know exactly what those indictments say. I think a lot of people are waiting for the information to come in to really understand how to react. We're the hooligans. You know, comments that I've heard made earlier this evening that this really is the warm-up. I think that that is very much the case, that this is... Don't hassle me or might turn into a ruffian. ...with our, the media, and no one wants to get kicked out. No one wants to get in trouble with the judge no one wants to get in trouble with law enforcement so we're following the rules but as other people might be attracted to downtown or information spread that may not uh, always be the case one thing that is interesting about joey's right COVID might have made hicks go potato if they do indeed include former president donald trump uh, a lot of people are really going to be keeping a close eye on georgia uh, those who he was friends with with alex jones though be, and that is because we have open courtrooms. Uh, you know, like I said, the media was sitting inside judgment. Man, that lets me like, okay, so I've been watching um, and all of those high the voice actor that played Dell on uh, 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 King of the Hill died. So I've been watching um, court. Let me tell you, when we go into old King of the Hill episodes, you have to check it. It pains me to say that fucking Mike Judge is a batshit crazy motherfucker. We reach out to an artist to draw sketches so that Mike Judge is real big into Alex Jones. I think Mike Judge might have been a little Trumpy. In general, cameras are allowed in the courtroom and they're as amazing as that is the dude that that wrote the movie idiocracy this could be the one that gets the most public scrutiny and so i think that's why you're seeing so many eyes and so much interest on what is happening here it's not just oh what is georgia doing now this really is the opportunity for the public to be invited into the conversation um or at least to be able to to sort of uh, be the fly on the wall as that conversation is taking place. i feel vindicated that my favorites like matt and trey and larry david like they're the exact people I expect them to be, and I think they're pretty fucking cool. I'm not let down by them. With a group of other reporters going back into a room where we believe the press conference will take place. Uh oh. We don't think it's going to take place in the next five minutes or anything like that, but we do know that that is movement that we are seeing. So they are gearing up for some type of announcement. We do have another question for you, though. So we could have press conference shortly, maybe in 10 15. Jury procedure, I'm sort of struck by the fact that when it comes to covering trials, whether it's on local television or it's in print, it's easier to cover. You have a lot of emotion from victims, from perpetrators, from attorneys, oftentimes from family members that have gathered in the courtroom, and, and oftentimes judges as well. This is totally different. This is a new territory that uh, certainly doesn't get much coverage on local television, nor do I see a lot of it in newspapers around the country. It is very procedural, it is very bloodless, and it is very dense in terms of how the choreography of these grand juries go. Certainly, when you even think about some of the charges that um, 
could be at play here. Um, again, we don't know what's in the indictments. Hopefully we're going to be finding out here any moment. Uh, but when you think about some of those that could be at play here, they're really complicated. You start talking about RICO, racketeering, and, and just even politics in general. Right now there's so much emotion wrapped around um, the these allegations. Shelly, Shelly, good evening. They're, they're we've now. been on indictment watch for hours now. It kind of do like I started doing the news. Still be a lot of interest. And we were talking about Trump and the possible indictment. And people are going on a And I was like, oh well, they're live right now. Let's check in on them. And that's when we found out that they disagree with. And that's the that's the good thing. That's what I like about this opportunity <laughs> is that with that camera in the courtroom, it's not just going to be the reporters telling the people at home what was said or what to, you know, we, we never. There are a lot of people that are predicting that YouTube is circling the drain. Well, you're going to have that. I don't, I don't know what that means for streamers. I don't, you know, I put my content everywhere I can. So information's coming out of the DA. Kind of, I feel like I'm diversified. Lindstrom, thank you. We have the indictments right now in front of us. Zach Merchant has just made his way over to where we are sitting right now, and we are, are sort of gathering we our thoughts and, and looking at them as, uh, as uh, they have first arrived. Oh, whoa, 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 we have the, uh, we have the indictments? This is not even the full document. This is the first few pages of the indictment. Um, we are reading this together. This is just posted in the Fulton County Court online docket literally seconds ago. Here are the big top takeaways right now. Former President Donald John Trump is the first named defendant in this indictment. Rudy Giuliani is also named. Indicted, Donald Trump. Mark Meadows. Eastman, Cheeseboro, Meadows, Cheesebro. Jenna Ellis, Ray Stallings Smith. Robert Cheely, Michael A. Roman. I don't know who those fuckers are. Sean Micah. Jenna Ellis was one of his attorneys. Guard Lee, Harrison William Prescott, Travion Cuddy, Sidney Powell, Sidney Powell, Scott Hall, and Misty Hampton. Are Scott Hall. Indictments. Wow. Again, we are getting this. Scott Hall died. Now Scott Hall did nothing wrong. Uh, we should also note too. Again, we're reading this together. And as we're reading this, we're also taking a live look inside of the room where the press. So we're conference we're preparing for a press conference. Any moment now, uh, these charges just dropping Trump has ago. been indicted again to come on set right now so just taking a look at it we can't confirm that this is now the fourth criminal indictment for former president Donald Trump number four indictment for former president Donald Trump here in Fulton County Atlanta Georgia we can now confirm we can also now confirm I think without any doubt that I did not hear Lynn Wood's name. A Rico case. It's the first charge here. Lynn Wood lived in Georgia. He was instrumental to that operation. Charges are listed in this indictment. We should be clear that not every defendant is charged with every count here. Are you surprised at how many individuals there are? I think a little bit. Um, but again, like we've been talking about all night, Rico cases can be quite widespread, quite sprawling. Yeah. Um, and, and if you're a prosecutor who wants to 
lean into the Trump, Eastman, Giuliani, helps them tell the Meadows, Mark Meadows, Mark Meadows, solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer, false statements, writings, a, a very familiar litany of charges and actions. Joey's probably right. The 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 ones down the list are probably fake electors. Prove what are known as predicate crimes or uh, basically requisite crimes. Um, some of these, like false statements and forgery, satisfy that predicate crime requirement that's needed to prove a RICO case. So it doesn't surprise me that we're seeing things like forgery and false statements in this document right now. Um, and we are so just there you have it, guys. Ahead. Breaking news right now. Trump, Giuliani, several others indicted. Eastman, Meadows is the most surprising one. Trump's fourth criminal indictment uh, in a, a matter of months, it seems. I have speculated that Meadows has skirted to the news desk right now. Let's actually exposure by cooperating. Let's go ahead. In other uh, cases, easily many dozens of pages. Um, we are reading this together. We're reading this in real time. This is the introduction to the indictment, unsealed, naming former President Donald Trump and 18 others in 18. true bill indictment from the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. This is the introduction here. Defendant Donald John Trump lost the United States presidential election held on November 3rd, 2020. One of the states he lost was Georgia. Trump and the other defendants charged in this indictment refused to accept that Trump lost, and they knowingly and willfully joined a conspiracy to unlawfully outcome of the election in favor of Trump. That conspiracy contained a common plan and purpose to commit two or more acts of racketeering activity in Fulton County, Georgia, elsewhere in the state of Georgia, and in other states. Again, if you're just joining us, that is the one paragraph introduction to this many, many, many pages long it indictment naming former President Donald very Trump. Very thick stack of indictments. And just to recap everything that's going on right now, folks, just in the last couple of minutes, we have learned that 19 people are named in this indictment, 41 charges coming down, including former President uh, Donald Trump here. Zach Merchant is helping us get through all of these indictments. We are, or all of the pages of it, it's a very thick stack. DJ Dub. On your screen here is a room where a press conference by Don't the mind if I do. expected to happen, where she will likely lay out the charges and who's indicted here. Uh, and our reporters are standing by to get that. From so, you. so how large is this comparatively to, to some of the issues that Mr. Trump is is facing? Is is this uh, substantially larger? I rank it as number three. Scope is it? 19 people. It obviously has more individuals that are named than the other ones. Trump, Giuliani, Sidney Powell, John Eastman, Cheesebro. I think people who are at home. Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows is the surprising one to me. Well, this is John Eastman here. Former congressman Mark Meadows was serving as chief of staff. 
in this criminal indictment handed up by the Fulton County Grand Jury. Uh, John this is Eastman John Eastman. sent memos to the Trump campaign outlining a plan where Mike Pence, the vice president at the time, could refuse to count some of Biden's 2020 electoral college votes. Also, uh, the more the serious charges are the January 6th uh, charges. December of 2020, Eastman told lawmakers that they had the duty to replace the state's slave. Jenna Ellis, yes, Jenna Ellis. Widespread voter fraud that was later debunked by uh, George. He was Senator the one sitting next to Giuliani when he farted, but that was in Michigan. And finally, we should know John Eastman is a former law clerk of Supreme yeah. Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Another person that is listed in this indictment is attorney Jenna, Jenna Ellis. She was among the Trump allies who testified in Georgia, the Georgia Senate, about voter fraud. In December of 2020, Fulton County prosecutors say Ellis continued to push claims of voter fraud even after state officials debunked them. Ellis, you know, when, when I think about Jenna Ellis, I, I really think about Vice President Mike Pence. Yeah. And she was the one who wanted him to ignore the Electoral College. And that, that certainly uh, had played in the events of that first week of January that that uh, all of this was uh, certainly a part of it but Jenna Ellis certainly is is part of this the next person that we want to talk about here that's listed and it is uh, Trump's former New York excuse me Trump's attorney former attorney former mayor of New York Rudy Giuliani in 2018 he became Trump's stupid? personal attorney and then fools? a key lawyer for the campaign after the 2020 election Giuliani fueled well, okay so here's the thing is I'm pretty sure that a lot of these people are going to face legal repercussions they're just prosecuting Trump first the federal the federal prosecutors are prosecuting Trump first he test that's right here. He testified before the Georgia Senate panel in December of 2020 that had Nathan, good evening of both local and federal investigations. And we had an interview with him tonight where he yeah. was on the streets of New York where he was asked about the impending indictments in which he faced. He said these are all uh, political and dynamic that you have. Uh, if you are just joining us, Trump, who is the GOP charges for racketeering for Trump. For Giuliani, Sidney Powell, Jenna Ellis, Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows, the former Trump chief of staff, also... Uh, John Eastman. Uh, he was also on the line for the infamous Raffensperger... Cheesebro! I can't believe a dude's name is Cheesebro. Prosecutors say that there were emails and meetings and a surprise visit to Georgia... Uh, made for the benefit of his boss. Before joining and President Trump in the White House, Mr. Meadows was a congressman from North Carolina. Before we move forward, we have um, obviously a lot more to get through here. I just want to flag We, we are waiting for a press conference here indictment. in the next uh, few minutes. On in the paperwork here, the Fulton County District Attorney's Office lays out all 19 of the named defendants. We've okay. been talking about them. We're working through them on air right now. But notably here, the indictment also says there are unindicted co-conspirators okay. named individual one through individual 30. And, and what does that mean? Wow. That there are 30 people who the Fulton County District Attorney's Office believes were connected to a criminal conspiracy, the racketeering, the RICO organization. But not enough to indict. But, well, that's not quite... Where they're cooperating. Um, in a lot of cases, unindicted co-conspirators... Cut a deal. 
are left unnamed in paperwork like this, sometimes as an effort to put pressure on them to flip, to testify, um, but it, it effectively means that the district attorney's office thinks there are more people connected to this and more people who have legal exposure to this alleged criminal conspiracy. Do you believe that we will see them named in the weeks ahead? Impossible to say. The federal indictment um, released earlier, un unsealed earlier this month, had six unindicted co-conspirators there as well. We'll have to keep a close eye on both situations to see how that plays out. It wouldn't surprise me if some of them are later named. We used to hear some of that during the Watergate days of, of unindicted co-conspirators into the, the break-in of, of uh, the Watergate. Of course, of course, weaponization of government, which is exactly what they did. It can be, a, uh, I would imagine. Which is what they're getting prosecuted for, trying to weaponize government. May be one of the unindicted co-conspirators that, that certainly can put some pressure on you to discuss with your attorney and make some hard decisions for yourself on how you're going to move forward. That said, um, let's keep moving through what we have here. I think yeah, we, we have... We're going to talk about yeah. Kathy Latham next. She is indicted. She was involved with, uh, with the fake elector scheme. Kathy Latham was a Republican chairwoman of Coffee County in 2020, which has become a big... Oh, yes, I remember this lady. Yeah, she let, she let him in the uh, polling place. Georgia prosecutors say she was part of the alternate elector scheme. You might have heard them called fake electors following the election where Republicans submitted illegitimate electoral college votes in favor of President Donald Trump. This was, if you remember, uh, witness George Cheedy talking about this is, um, he saw in the courthouse this meeting of fake electors. She was also seen on surveillance footage on January 7th, 2021, escorting pro-Trump operatives to the Coffee County Elector's Office. That's some surveillance video you're seeing right there, people coming in and out of the office. That's the same day a voting system at that location was breached. David Schaefer, the former head of the Georgia Republican Party, former state senator, prosecutors say he was part of the alternate electors scheme following the election in which Republicans submitted illegitimate electoral college votes in favor of the former president. He oversaw the December 2020 meeting. It's Peter Griffin. 16 Georgia Republicans cast electoral college ballots claiming that Mr. Trump had be. won the election. David Schaefer ran unsuccessfully for the post of lieutenant governor in the state of Georgia. I think while we have a moment here, let's dig a little bit more into the document itself, yeah. into the indictment. Uh, I think we all remember that period after Election Day 2020, the roughly eight, nine weeks afterward, where there was uh, concerted it's a weird period. Raise concerns, raise allegations that the final vote count was unlawful. There were state legislative hearings right here in Georgia where supposed evidence of this is the height of the and on page 16 of uh, this Delta variant under the manner and method the height of the pandemic really uh, prosecutors write and I'm, I'm quoting here I'm reading this just as we read it together they say members of the enterprise this is the racketeering the RICO enterprise that they allege occurred members of the enterprise including several of the defendants appeared at hearings in Fulton County Georgia before members of the Georgia General Assembly on December 3rd December 10th and December 30th of 2020 at those hearings members of the enterprise made false statements concerning fraud in the November 2020 presidential election the purpose the allegations right here the prosecutors I should say right here the purpose of these 
these false statements was to persuade Georgia legislators to reject lawful electoral votes cast by the duly elected and qualified presidential electors from Georgia. So the translation of all of this is essentially that they came before the group of legislators and essentially lied. Is that correct? Is, false is that statements. what the charge is? Yes, yeah. it is. Um, right off the top, you see false statements to and solicitation of state legislators. You're exactly right. Okay. So we want to give Zach a little bit more time to get through this indictment because as you guys can see here, I mean, it's a very thick, let me see, how many pages is this? It looks like it's even nearly 100 Pushing pages 100. worth of yeah, documents here. So we really want you to be able to go through it so we can bring it to you. So first, we want to get back to our Caitlin Ross. You've seen her live all night outside of the courthouse. We're going to go back to her right now. And Caitlin, if you can hear me, we have a picture for us. But also, if you have any information at all about what's taking place inside, we're hearing that not all outlets are actually being oh, allowed. There ain't, ain't shit in there. The area where they're giving the press conference. I do believe that we have a camera end there. I would hope. Exactly right, Faith. We actually just walked up there. The district attorney changed the venue. We first thought it was going to be right here on the courthouse steps. About half an hour ago, we got notification it was going to be inside the government building. If you're familiar with Prior Street, that's just across the street, up the stairs, over in a conference room in the government building, and a heavy police presence in there. They're really Richard Pryor Street. about who they allow into this news conference. They have a clipboard. With I can understand that if I'm, I'm in the DA's office. So people who didn't get their names on that list are very frustrated outside that conference room right now, not allowed inside to partake. Especially given what happened with inside that news conference, getting the nut job in Utah. He was making threats against Fannie Willis. Start speaking. She's able to set up a live shot in there. So as soon as we have any new information, we're going to be able to bring you that live on our newscast. And what we're looking for is an explanation of how they got to this point. Like you said, Faith, this charging document more than 100 pages long. So there is a lot of information to work through. 19 people named in this indictment. Those are a lot of people to go through. We know that District Attorney Fonnie Willis has been investigating this case since January 3rd of 2021. Oh, I'm saying it wrong, aren't I? It's not Fannie, it's Fonnie. And so we're really going to see those laid out. We're going to hear... Say it like, yeah, Booty Willis over here. ...who she called, who, needed, who she needed to talk to to get her to this point. So this news conference is really going to explain a lot of the missing pieces that we've been waiting for. We saw the cover sheet of that charging document hours ago, and since then it's really just been a flurry of speculation as to what could be in this, what's it going to look like. We're getting a lot more of those details now, Zach Merchant walking through those legal charges, and as soon as District Attorney Fonnie Willis speaks, we're going to have that live on 11 Alive, and we're going to get a lot more information. Faith and Jeff? She's good, but the AirPods annoy me. But I'm going to do it again with you here. Are they even AirPods? She's got fucking cords. Does not have a news conference here in the next 35, 45, or 60 minutes, and really doesn't have a lot to say. I mean, oh yeah, it's ten minutes tops about the tact from here on that she will not be completely revealing as to where she has been. That she doesn't feel that sort of need to share with the public as of yet. That's a great point, Jeff. There is every possible Our front bottoms. come out and say, here's the paperwork, take a read. See you later. We have been told. Well, Fanny is the bottom bottom here. It's your butt. Exactly what 
what she's going to say in there. We have are no you saying that a fanny is your is your like fupa? Out here are all combing through that documentation. Like 11 Alive, a lot of people have legal analysts who are helping us break all of this down because this is complicated stuff. RICO statutes are difficult to interpret, and I think even the district attorney brought in someone who specializes. So, like, would this be like um, knowing that to get these? I want to take a piss in Dan Crenshaw's eye fanny. Specific case. So a lot went into this. It's been. Is that the correct usage? But whether or not she's going to lay out her thought process. Who who she interviewed, what she's thinking if this case goes to trial. Jeff, that's a great question. It's anyone's guess at this point. We are set up inside. We have a lot. Whereas in the U.S., it would be uh, washer fanny. As soon as it becomes available. I know a lot of people have been waiting hours for this. Folks have been standing outside this courthouse for hours. They've been standing outside this courthouse for a week, locking in their positions, waiting to see what's going to come out of this. So really down to the 11th hour here. Is a fanny a snatch in the U.S. as well? I've not heard this. I've, I've always heard Fanny used as a as a bottom. document and what we can look at going forward, because I think you were making the point earlier that this isn't going to be a short-lived thing. This is what we are going to be talking about in Georgia for not just the coming days or months, but the coming years. Jeff and Faith. Yeah, I'm curious to see what this news conference looks like. It, it yeah. may be like playing poker. You may not show your hand as of yet. We'll see. It's going to be very interesting to see. Caitlin, yep. thank you so much for your insight and perspective and sticking with us all night. We want to go down the street to Joe Ripley. He is also outside of the courthouse. Joe has been live for us all day. So, Joe, you're hearing it with us. Hey, Joe. People named in this indictment. It is a RICO case, 41 charges. This indictment paperwork, nearly 100 pages. Joe, can you paint a picture? Has there been any movement out there? I see a couple of cars. Have there been any, is everything still really locked down? Has there been increased security? What are you seeing? Yeah, so in fact, just moments ago, we saw an armored vehicle from the Fulton County Sheriff's Office uh, race by us here on MLK Drive. We're posted up at the corner at MLK Drive and Pryor Street, which you see a portion of is blocked off right now by deputies as they continue to secure this area. You mentioned a little bit about this indictment, Faith. Well, the first name on this indictment, former President Donald Trump, he's facing 13 charges at the very least, according to this indictment, which we are pouring through. So 13 counts case. against word Trump. By word. We understand uh, the RICO violation. Racketeering. First charge the former president is facing, along with at least three counts of solicitation, a violation of oath by public officer. Uh, a number of conspiracy charges uh, here uh, against the former president. And this uh, uh, we see throughout these charges charges as they are listed in this indictment go back to a what da willis is calling a furtherance of the conspiracy you might have heard the phrase big lie that uh, georgia's 2020 election was somehow tainted somehow inaccurate uh in uh, uh, going against what former president trump hoped would happen for him which is that he would win Georgia. This indictment then goes on to explain that poor bastard President Trump. He never wanted to be president. National news outlets to I saw him the naughty one. His strategy, his philosophy of like a deer in the headlights. In his words, unfair. It also this indictment. Thank you, Shelley. I'm a, I was wondering if I was smoking crack there for a little bit. Uh, Trump is believed to have reached out to, including I was on RC crack. chairwoman Ronna McDaniel, <laughs> uh, including Georgia Attorney General Chris. 
Carr, the late Georgia House Speaker David Ralston, among others. And this is just in the last few minutes that we've gotten our hands on this indictment, which has now been made public, as I'm sure you're aware of if you're watching this right now. So, uh, again, the the, uh, the grand jury has spent uh, days really going over uh, some of this witness testimony, uh, speeding. Uh, up we call it a Trump here. This information might come out within the next. You want to say? You want to say? But we call it a Trump. What a way to start a week. So far, we have not heard of any rumblings of protests yet. Uh, but that could change. In the I'm days. sorry. I'm like, I'm getting tired. Defendants, uh, all of these defendants will be asked to come here. You're not, you're, you're not getting your grade A beef. Will plea deals uh, play a role in this? You've heard uh, all night really about the, the RICO charges and just how broad and widespread and expansive, uh, hard to interpret those can be. We've seen Watch your ass. from DA Fonnie Willis, whether it's the uh, APS cheating Thank scandal, you, whether it's the YSL. I love that one. That's currently Watch ongoing. And if it's any indication, this could take a while to unpack, maybe weeks, maybe months possibly even years, and we're facing presidential election here in the next uh, 14 months or so. Are you guys excited? I'm a political streamer. We're coming up on presidential election. Our picture you actually saw inside of the presser. I don't know if we can throw that picture back up because it looked like we could actually see some reporters sitting down. If this is your first election with me, you can expect total coverage. This was breaking news within the last... We are one week away from a debate. People named in this indictment, 41 Fox charges. News' first Republican presidential debate. Before we turn to our Zach Merchant, who has been very, very busy digging through this indictment to break it down for you all. I'll be with you for campaign rallies, press conferences. Weeks, months. We'll, be, we'll also be, we'll be doing debates for Senate candidates. And corruption organizations act so that was one of the biggest charges we also have multiple conspiracy charges solicitation of violation of oath the troll patrol will be your election central so you've been reading through it and you've circled some things 19 named indicted con, uh, conspirators 30 unindicted co-conspirators to me right now the first faith you're talking about the charges the biggest defendant by far is former President Donald Trump. He is charged with 13 counts of this, let's count them up here, of this 41-page, or I should say 41-count indictment. Ragateering, conspiracy. Are solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer, uh, conspiracy to commit uh, different kinds of crimes. But I also want to note here as well that we talked throughout the evening about how RICO charges give a prosecutor more leeway than is typical and but and by the time we wrap up the u.s election uh, it's going to be coming up on time for uk election now they their elections don't last two years like ours do this is how far the indictment is reaching right now um just into about tw the first 24 pages District Attorney Fonnie Willis and her team of prosecutors are citing conversations and interactions between the former president and his allies. With the conservative, what is it, 2025? The conservatives can no longer hold off. They have to call an election. So when we talk about the broad breadth of this possible case. And, and they're going to get slaughtered. Um, it reaches beyond the boundaries. I hope. A lot could change between now and then. I think our legal analyst would be the best place to answer that question, um, but I also think in an indictment that is this long, 
um, there's a lot of redundancy in here. You see defendants named in repeated places in this long list of predicate acts. So here's my, here's my question to you sure. as I sit here and I think about the political ramifications of this. Is there an ambiguity in this that Trump's supporters who plan on voting for him, which is a significant amount of people at this point, will see this in the political... Which is wild. I think there's no question that there is a segment of... Okay, let's say he makes it to the general election. Do you guys think he'll get more votes or less votes than he got in 2020? President has argued this is another indication that he is the recipient of a political witch hunt. That said, I think folks who get up and will say that uh, this country is hope, hopelessly divided um, and people can't change their minds clearly don't know a lot about the state of Georgia. We were the pivotal state in the 2020 elections in the Senate runoff as well because people here in this state have shown and again and again a willingness to look through, evaluate the evidence, evaluate candidates and make up their own minds. So with all that said, yeah, probably many people are going to see this and have preconceived notions, but many too are going to, just like we are, follow Penis. through the process, see what the evidence I'm is. I'm thinking uh, less. Now, not a lot, not considerably, but a million. In every poll that I've Two million seen less. The primary race right now, no question about it. But, but it's also, a long road. It's a long road to trial, and it's a long road to... I, you might be right. You might be right that there are less Biden voters as well, that overall people are less motivated to vote in this election. She's concerned about bringing down charges. And I, I wanted to point something out. Um, and Zach, you went to law school. I didn't. But <laughs> I see that the first count, this RICO charge, it seems like it's... However, I think Trump is, you know, he's still in danger of being able to... Win enough votes to win the Electoral College. I think more than anything, uh, one, yes, RICO charges, RICO cases, we've seen it in the RICO cases we've covered here. They are complicated. They are sprawling. They're big, typically speaking. I think it also, more than anything else, just shows how this case is undergirded by the RICO charge. Everything else is sort of built I think Biden's probably sitting better than what... The RICO charge in this... If you're uh, Biden, you've got reason to, to feel pretty yeah. good. So, Zach, we want to give but you more time to... you can't count out the fact that... Thank you. And our... What, 30,000 votes or 50,000 votes across three states swings the election? It's wild. Uh, we saw moments so, like, it's possible that Biden wins by a bigger margin. Right there. And I don't know if we have some... Exactly, Joey. Like, if Trump is on the ballot, it's a good possibility that the left comes out to vote against him. Gen Z is motivated to vote. Standing inside the room where this press conference is about to begin, speaking a little lowly because it's uh, pretty quiet in here. But if you've been watching this live shot, you've seen them kind of uh, setting up that background there, moving those flags a little closer. We just got a mic check, so assuming here shortly we should be. Uh, I wish that was true, Libertad. Like, that motherfucker is going to make it through like two fucking terms. Down. So should be any minute here shortly. It seems like everyone uh, who's kind of on that list is here and uh, set up. So should be any minute here. And we're just uh, kind of standing by waiting to, to see what we hear. And it could be not much. You know, uh, it, it's unclear what we're going to hear uh, from the district attorney. Uh, if she is kind of just going to lay out what uh, has been entered as far as those indictments. I, I, you know, I feel like the Georgia case is going to be televised. 
but it's probably going to go third. Probably going to go after the January 6th in the classified documents cases. This is inside of a press hall. Uh, January 6th is the first one scheduled right now. It's on the first day of the year, January 2nd. I guess not the first day of the year. The first business day. Does she spell out the case? Welcome in, everyone. If you're if you're fresh in, does she not show? Trump has been indicted for a fourth time. It wouldn't... It wouldn't surprise me. Along with Mark Meadows, Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, Jenna Ellis, should do most of the John Eastman. But we don't know. We, we simply don't know. We've heard, I think, several others. There are 19 named in the indictment. Then certainly we have from federal special counsel Jack Smith. Another 30 that are unindicted co-conspirators. As you will. Um, I, I do want to circle back to a point Faith made earlier just moments ago about um, the charges. And we're talking about the RICO charge in particular. Okay, clinically, any, any lawyer is going to give Trump that advice. But ultimately, it's Donald uh, so Trump. 19 named defendants here. Not every one of them is facing every count. And also, he is going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel for legal advice. That's count one. It's the recall. So some of them might actually have the harebrained idea. Put him on the stand. He's charismatic. He wins people over. Do you think that this potentially sets precedent for other states to become more immersed in these kinds of national issues? I think you guys are too optimistic. I think Biden is going to come. I think he's going to make it through two terms. Not the least of which I think come right on, off man. the front, you've got to say, I don't think it's any exaggeration to say that there has never been a more prominent defendant named in a criminal case in the history of the state. Um, up until earlier this year, a president had. I, I'm not ruling anything out at this point. Um, this year, we've seen the former president named in three and, indictments. Yeah, unfortunately, Biden isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Here in Fulton County, but even if we read the news, folks follow along, in some ways, it can feel like this is the fourth one, and somehow the importance and the severity and the seriousness of it has been diminished in some way. Um, but it hasn't been. This has never happened in our state before. It is going to be, I think, a this challenge is significant. that our city and our state has never faced before. And certainly, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, she's an experienced prosecutor. Yeah. Um, she's never prosecuted a case against a defendant like this. We expect to see the former president here in Atlanta at some point for a mugshot, too. That's right. Uh, I, I feel like all of those are going to be put on hold. Of the name defendants who... Like, there's going to be like a... a priority and severity it can um, I, think I think the federal charges come first um, I think we've mentioned earlier these sort of things depend a little bit on where a defendant is located um, if you're somebody who's got to travel in from out of town that may push your date back a little bit um, I think former President Trump may fall into that category there are others uh, named here who have deep ties to the state of Georgia who may we may see sooner rather than later being booked and that's, I guess that might be a question for a legal analyst, or we might learn together at this press conference that could happen any time now. But that's a good, I'm glad that you brought that point up, because we've seen former... Thank you all for joining us for this um, historic moment. ...do the, the court appearance three times now, which 
I suppose is still unprecedented, right? So we're going to see that here in Georgia. But the question is, are we going to see multiple days of this with multiple people? Will everybody go on the same day? And even when it comes to a potential trial, will these folks be tried together? Will they be tried separately? There's still a lot. I love the streams where we like, you know, we weren't expecting 19 named defendants, right? I think be involved in a in a story to be watching it live and unfold. How does this play out from here? We don't know for sure. We don't know what a defense strategy might be. We don't know what the, the state strategy, the prosecutor's strategy will be. I think it's likely that there will be arguments on motions to sever, what's known as severing some defendants from the case and effectively, instead of having one large trial with all 19 defendants, spin out some defendants into their own trials. Um, and there may be pushback, it may be argued. Yeah. We don't know for sure, but I think that's a, a safe bet. We could see that in the coming weeks and months. And I want to break in here for the folks at home. We are not, you know, just reading these all out. This, this is available for we, you we know. on 11alive.com. You can read every single page for yourself. And I think that's important here for people, you know, if they have the time um, and the interest to, to read it for yourself and really understand what these charges are, you know, so. I don't know who has time to read 98 pages worth of We've talked about this, though. But it is out there for, for you to we, read. We it. talked about this this tonight. It, it, is, it is a chance for folks to make up their own minds yeah. about something that is at the core of our country's political ecosystem. And I don't even have to read it. I know he's guilty. In the march towards the 2024 presidential election. This is an opportunity for people to read the case against the former president to read the evidence that the prosecutors have laid out up to this point in the indictment. And moving forward, as we mentioned, in Georgia, cameras, both still cameras and video cameras, are typically allowed inside the courtrooms. So folks are going to have an opportunity to see in real time, most likely, how this plays out in court as well. Yes, yes, I've totally pre-watched all of this. We now have in front of us at least 100 pages of, uh, I had to I had to change my Twitter handle back because apparently there's a glitch now and like you can get stuck with your your name so I went and switched it back to Justin freaking real fast and like it did glitch out and I didn't think I was gonna be able to get back into Twitter the former president of the United fuck you Elon the first defendant in a criminal indictment and can see that and say that they're not surprised uh, is lying to themselves. Mm -hmm. Even if, as we have, there's been rumors and there's been insinuations, there's been a lot of signs pointing to this moment. This is, uh, it, I think, to anybody who can zoom out of the sort of constant big news moment after big news moment after big news moment that I think we all have felt over the past many years, this is um, deeply serious. It's very surprising, I think, just to see... It's deeply serious was like the most unserious person walking the face of the earth right now. We had a sense that it would be a fairly broad, far-reaching case. We had a sense that there would likely be multiple named defendants. I don't think anybody up here, certainly I didn't... He's so unserious that he could put on fucking clown shoes and a big red nose and I wouldn't even like bat an eye. And you said 30 co-conspirators? That's the way, the way I've seen him for 30 years anyway. The 19 who are named. Okay. And then the district attorney's office believes there are 30 other people who have 
some exposure to this case and some connection to it who have not, for one reason or another, been named in this indictment. Now, it's not to say that they couldn't be named later in a superseding indictment. That means uh, effectively more paperwork that comes out that lays out allegations against new people in connection to this case. Um, but right now... I'm betting on five. He gets a fifth indictment. There's another indictment coming from Washington, D.C. Donald Trump is a relating man to the classified documents case. At defending himself against can be five times. Very, very expensive. Purgatorius. Take a look at Good evening. From our state. Welcome We're in. Donald Trump has been indicted again. Four times. Four times. And the ramifications of that, and along with a whole clown car of right-wing dipshits, or their own savings, is going to be very intense. It's going to be something to watch. Mark Meadows, Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, Jenna Ellis. So many criminal cases, both at the federal level and at the state level, and, and many, many more. Long before anybody sees the you inside of stupid? a you trial room, fools? the inside of a courthouse, at least for a, dry, a trial purpose. It's Simp. It can take a long Simp, time. Simp, good evening. And it can also take a lot of time and a lot of resources from the state as well. And you could go to Happy jail. Indictment you Day to you um, as well. Frequently still include some jail time. Happy which Indictment Day time to all of us. Um, but there is a pressure on defendants to, in many cases, try to limit their exposure, try to do whatever is in their best interest, and that can be a financial best interest as well as a... As the top charge is racketeering. Best interest. Um, there's a, uh, certainly a, a demarcation. Interfering with... I forget what the fucking charge, like... Uh, are of more common... So kept, uh, interfering with official duties. Turking officials, I forget what the fucking terminology was. Influence and, the ability and then several counts of conspiracy. Those of we are awaiting a press conference. It's certainly uh, it's a challenge. Um, you know, everybody from the DA's office. Guilty in this country, we have a public defender system for that reason. But particularly folks who fall in the income level that disqualifies them from getting uh, a public defender right. provided to them. But well, below Trump is broke. Pay for the most high-powered. Rudy Rudy Giuliani is broke. Uh, file lots of motions on your behalf and really push it. Um, those folks you can get a little squeezed. Not exactly. everybody can afford Jerry Spence, right? There's a obscure <laughs> reference for it. Okay. Uh, so Trump doesn't pay his attorneys. This uh, press conference. I want to talk to you if we have time here. I just got into my email a, another um, statement from the Trump campaign. They did send one before this uh, we, when we of course. before the indictments came down. Um, and now here's another one titled "The Truth About Fonnie Willis." And he's really going after her here. This campaign is going after her. Uh, Solicitation of violation of oath by public officer. Thank you, Joey. And Zach, if you could touch on this while we are... Multiple counts of solicitation of violation of oath by public officer. Or, excuse me, the Trump team tried to get Willis disqualified from even indicting him in the first place, and that was shut down. Yeah, there was a battle on the motions ahead of this, also trying to remove Judge Robert McBurney from oversight of any component of this case. The grand jury... They're just throwing uh, shit at the wall. All of those motions failed. It's an argument that we may see come up again as we move further into litigation. Um, but right now, the appellate courts effectively said any effort to remove District Attorney Willis or Judge Robert McBurney before an indictment, because this happened before tonight, right. any effort to do that at that point, uh, it was just too early. He said you would have your day in court. That's what he said. All right, we are now... Uh 
I'm going to guess under 30 seconds before we are expected to see this news conference begin. Oh, really? And uh, reporters certainly have gathered. Our dig, dig, dig. is inside that room now. Uh, we have been given the one-minute warning. That was about 50 seconds ago. As I Go ahead and light call. one up if you got them. Imbibe whatever. Hopefully they will be like Marta Bus. Substance you on. enjoy most. So we'll see. Or a football. It could be a football minute. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good <laughs> Conspiracy to commit impersonating a and public I'm officer. We're waiting just to rehash here. Was Trump charged with that? Very big news. The first, or excuse me, fourth. Or was that a it was a fake elector charged with that? This is a RICO case. 19 people named in this indictment. A total of 41 charges, and as Zach was reporting, 30 unindicted co-conspirators. So a lot of folks. It's, this is going to be different than any uh, criminal indictment that we've seen thus far in the recent months. So we get ready to see Fannie Willis here, the district attorney who defeated Paul Howard. About Hello, Fanny. It's going to be her on the national stage. There have been so many questions. I'm sorry, Fanny. I've been saying it wrong. Been playing out uh, at a snail's pace over the last two and a half years. And we, and we learned that a Fanny uh, is a vagina in defending the UK. This has taken Robert. Apparently, candid too. I don't want to leave our uh, Canadian friends out. And the way that it works. I want to just add too before we go to this press conference. Trump was charged with that. Many legal experts will tell you. Yes, that is interesting. Trump campaign worries that Mr. Trump's allies and his attorneys more than some of the other cases. Federal cases, there is, uh, if the former president becomes the president again, he in all likelihood will have the capacity. Which I still can't believe is a possibility. His conduct, federal cases against him, he has oversight of the Department of Justice. A state case, there is no such power. This is an independent, independent of the federal government allegation here. It's an independent case here, um, which this is looking far down the line here. Um, but there is no power of the president to pardon anybody charged with state crimes. Yeah. We are not saying at any point, and it shouldn't be misconstrued, that we're saying the former president... No wonder who's getting to it. That's for a jury to decide. Yes, um, indeed. But... And I'm, oh, go yeah, ahead. I, go I'm ahead. glad you brought that up because this is something that's been widely talked about. Right. We've done multiple verifies on right. it. If President or former President Trump gets convicted in Georgia, can he be pardoned? We know that we have a Republican governor here. And here we go. On that because we see District Attorney Fonnie Willis walking up to the podium. So let's listen in. one up to this. Thank you for joining us. I'm here with the prosecutors and investigators who have worked diligently on the investigation of criminal attempts to interfere in the administration of Georgia's 2020 presidential election. Today, based on information developed by that investigation, a Fulton County grand jury returned a true bill of indictment, charging 19 individuals with violations of Georgia law arising from a criminal conspiracy to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election in this state. The indictment includes 41 felony counts 
and is 97 pages long. Please remember that everyone charged in this bill of indictment is presumed innocent. Specifically, the indictment brings felony charges against Donald John Trump, Rudolph William Louis Giuliani, John Charles Eastman, Mark Randall Meadows, John Cheeseboro, John Cheeseboro, Jenna Lynn Ellis, Ray Stallings Smith III, Robert David Cheeley, Michael A. Roman, David James Schaefer, Sean Micah Tresher Steele, Stephen Cliffguard Lee, Harrison William Prescott Floyd, Travion C. Cootie, Sydney Catherine Powell, Kathleen Austin Latham, Scott Graham Hall, he got cooties. Captain, also known as Emily Misty Hayes. Every individual charged in the indictment is charged with one count of violating Georgia's Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act through participation in a criminal enterprise in Fulton County, Georgia and elsewhere to accomplish the illegal goal of allowing Donald J. Trump to seize the presidential term of office beginning on January 20th, 21. Specifically, the participants in association took various actions in Georgia and elsewhere to block the counting of the votes of the presidential electors who were certified as the winners of Georgia's 2020 general election. As you examine the indictment, you will see acts that are identified I was as thinking the same thing, Joey. And those that are identified as predicate acts, sometimes called acts of racketeering activity. Overt acts are not necessarily crimes under Georgia law in isolation but are alleged to be acts taken in furtherance of the conspiracy. Many occurred in Georgia and some occurred in other jurisdictions and are included because the grand jury believes they were part of the illegal effort to overturn the results of Georgia's 2020 presidential election. The acts identified as predicate acts or acts of racketeering activity are crimes that are alleged to have been committed in furtherance of the criminal enterprise. Acts of racketeering activity are also charged as separate counts in the indictment against those who are alleged to have committed them. All elections in our nation are administered by these states, which are given the responsibility of ensuring a fair process and an accurate counting of the votes. That includes elections for presidential electors, Congress, state officials, and local offices. The state's role in this process is essential 
to the functioning of our democracy. Georgia, like every state, has laws that allow those who believe that results of an election are wrong, whether because of intentional wrongdoing or unintentional error, to challenge those results in our state courts. The indictment alleges that rather than abide by Georgia's legal process for election challenges, the defendants engaged in a criminal racketeering enterprise to overturn Georgia's presidential election result. Subsequent to the indictment, as is the normal process in Georgia law, the, the grand jury issued arrest warrants for those who are charged. I am giving the defendants the opportunity to voluntarily surrender no later than noon on Friday, the 25th day of August, 2023. I remind everyone here that an indictment is only a series of allegations based on a grand jury's determination of probable cause to support the charges. It is now the duty of my office to prove these charges in the indictment beyond a reasonable doubt at trial. I would like to take a moment to thank, thank the Superior Court Clerk, Shay Alexander, and her staff for staying late and making sure that this indictment was processed. I would also like to thank the men and women of Sheriff Labatt's office for keeping the courthouse open, but most importantly for keeping us safe over the weeks and months that have led up to this indictment and for what I know they will continue to do to keep us safe. We also want to thank the Atlanta Police Department and other law enforcement partners who have worked with the sheriff to keep us safe. I will now take a very limited number of questions prior uh, to going to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I'll go first. Madam uh, District Attorney. You know, my 11 to the 11 alive. Quick question. Can you clarify in Georgia uh, the mandatory minimum when it comes to RICO charges, whether it's servable by probation or how that might play out? The, the RICO charges has time that you have to serve, so it is not a probated sentence. <laughs> What's the time what is the timetable for the trial? Yes. As you know, in this jurisdiction, trials are set by the judges. Um, and so it will be the judge that sets the date of the trial. There was a small protest against Cop City that popped up during the coverage earlier. However, that will totally be at the discretion of the judge. And one of you, you're the fourth person, the fourth jurisdiction now to indict Donald Trump. Would you be the fourth one to try him, or could you move it up? Do you want to be the first to try him? I, don't have any desire to be first or last. I want to try him and be respectful for our sovereign states. Um, we do want to move this case along, and so we will be asking for a proposed order that occurs a trial date within the next six months. Madam District Attorney, um, there was an, earlier today there was a fictitious document according to. He'll go right after the first federal trial. Charges against former President Donald Trump. Those that fictitious document. Uh, matched exactly the charges that we now see in this indictment. Can you tell us more about that document? Yes, please. Uh, because now you have the former president. So he's asking about the document that we 
problem. Saw a leak earlier. No, I can't tell you anything about um, what you refer to. What I can tell you is that we had a grand jury here in Fulton County. They deliberated till almost 8 o'clock, if not right after 8 o'clock. An indictment was returned. It was true billed, and you now have an indictment. Um, I am not an expert on clerks duties um or even in no i would sim i would say a fifth in uh, indictment is coming judge cannon alluded to a grand jury that we didn't know about previously do you intend to try all of these defendants together do i intend to try the 19 defendants in this indictment together yes and have you had any contact with the special counsel about the overlap between this indictment and the federal I'm not going to discuss our investigation at this time. I'm going to take. What do you make of the uh, the arguments uh, made by former President Trump that this is a politically motivated indictment? I make decisions in this office based on the facts and the laws. Um, the law is completely nonpartisan. That's how decisions are made in every case. And that's that's why I couldn't work in that office. I'd be like, he's an idiot. Sitting as a district attorney, over 12,000 cases. This is the 11th RICO indictment. We followed the same process. We look at the facts, we look at the law, and we bring charges. Done switch. All right, so you were there just you have it. DA Fonnie Willis giving a press conference. And of note, she read all of the names of the 19 people indicted, including former President Donald Trump. And she listed that this was going to be a, a RICO case. And one of the big things that. So it I appears they're all charged with the same charges. All of those, those 19 people who are indicted, a voluntary surrender. There are arrest warrants now issued for them. She says that they must voluntary surrender. They're being charged as a group. Noon, Friday, August. Plans to try them together. Friday. Zach also had uh, told us maybe an hour ago, uh, we talked a little bit about when this trial could begin, and that is set by the judge. She reinforced that as well. As you and I were listening to this, I sort of whispered over to you, what has surprised you? And you said, well, uh, almost an inside baseball kind of term. And Wait, is Scalise here? Acts and predicated acts. What does that mean? Yeah. yeah. Scalise, you hear? Statute predicate acts are crimes under Georgia law that stand alone. These uh, incidents, if proved, if the allegations are proved, are illegal on their face. They viola violate a specific component of the Georgia state. Police is a uh, troll that can't quit me. Aren't necessarily crimes under Georgia he can't, law. He can't quit me. Own, but when prosecutors can prove, as they say they can here, those overt acts are conducted. You get a real crush on me. Further, the overall conspiracy. Oh, they aren't all charged with the same stuff? ...into the indictment and into the RICO case. And I think it's worth noting here that both a an overt act and a predicate act, according to the prosecutors here in this indictment, um, both of those were satisfied in that early, early January 2021 phone call between former President Donald Trump and Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. So the indictment here is saying an incident like that, a piece of evidence like that, is both a violation of Georgia code on its face and also satisfies the Overt Act requirement. Will she lead the prosecution of this herself in the courtroom? I think it's no question that, that she is calling all the shots in this case, whether she will yep, be yep, yep. the... I like it. I'm down for it. 
I think I think this is the biggest case uh, she has ever tried. I don't think that's an exaggeration, and I think this will be the case that Fonnie Willis is remembered for. This is her legacy case here. Yeah, especially if it's on uh, video, I want I want to see her different charges. She prosecute the case. The big one in the room, the RICO charge, saying that this is the eleventh. RICO indictment. She says it follows the same process. She says it's nonpartisan. Um, and then she actually stayed and opened it up the floor for questions. Shout out to our Savannah Levins who actually got the first question. Yeah, that's a big part of it. That's a big part of it. Okay, but like, spent the time. you know, I'll make the thumbnail for the show. And like, look at her. Like, with they're not necessarily charged. She oozes badass. It, it's it's really the bedrock of this entire indictment here. Um, all 19, as you mentioned, all 19 of the names oh, Shelley. are charged with the RICO charge. Thank you so much. For others of the 41 charges in this indictment, but the RICO. I, uh, where everybody. I have an affinity for women. Fulton County who are like said point intelligent and sassy and together which could raise a whole host put you in your place and timetable challenges um, we will see how this plays out moving forward but and, that's pretty reason, notable to me and the reason for that is why I think if you asked 10 lawyers they'd give you I, 10 I like a I like a strong woman to me if you're a prosecutor if you want to Build a narrative that a jury can can understand. Multiple people uh, would prosecute the case, but she would be the lead prosecutor. Requires the full breadth. Of so she would probably give the like the opening and closing arguments. Okay. And we're hearing that our Savannah Levins, who was inside of that press conference, she is joining us live now with an update. Hey Savannah, so how was it? I but mean, they would they would tag team throughout the trial. But what can you tell us about from inside that room? What is her outfit? Right now, actually, just made a joke that uh, it's time to go to bed. Uh, so a lot of people clearing out, giving us about ten minutes here to wrap things up. What are you doing, Smokey? So going over the more than a dozen people being indicted. DA Fonnie Willis, uh, you know, emphasizing the fact that they are all innocent until proven guilty, offering the opportunity to voluntarily voluntarily surrender uh, up to Friday before these. I feel like she should be like uh, working at a. Now that we know that uh, RICO charges involved, and she was talking about uh, the yeah, like oil. One of the questions I asked Ew. was whether this comes with a mandatory sentence in Georgia and whether that sentence could be uh, serviced, you know, on probation. So if uh, the president, former president, is indicted, would he have to spend time in I'm prison? sure that is a lovely outfit, whatever she's wearing. We can just see the... The top of it. Not a probation, probationary charge. It has. I had a girlfriend that worked at a. Would be very interesting to see if for Billy Reed. It's like a really high-end store, and I didn't understand it. Time behind. He went nuts over this dress, and it was like hundreds of dollars, and it looked like a fucking sack. Brought this all together. And I'm like, that's hundreds of dollars. Said that the grand jury heard. You can't make that. Uh, to send this forward. She was also asked about that uh, document that was uh, leaked earlier and what her knowledge is of that. And all she said was that she's not an expert on uh, administrative actions. And, and just kind of looks like she's and, got the, uh, like, the work outfit on, on and that, uh, with the cut off sleeves. 
it seems to kind of line by line line up with what was released tonight but again not a lot of clarification on that but uh, a lot of clarification and a lot still to be learned about what's going to happen with all of these different people listed in this RICO charge uh, the criminal enterprise were words that she used so it should be interesting to see uh, how that's tried she said she is going to try them all together uh, so we will see how that plays out certainly and also interesting to I hope everyone is having a, a nice drink and I smoke as well because in Manhattan I mean he pushed to have this move to federal court and one enjoying the fact that Trump is probably losing his shit cameras on and again have the world really watch this as it unfolds I would like after the fourth one like I'd be like who cares but that's me Trump is a gigantic man baby for us but so far that hasn't happened although I presume and assume and maybe Zach can speak more to this that that might be a fight that happens in the coming days uh, but certainly it's a uh, still now a lot of wait and see absolutely and Savannah we see reporters and folks leaving and droves behind you but before we let you go I did want to ask and kind of give you some kudos because you were able to get the first question in there a lot of reporters we heard that some people weren't even able to get into that room it was a little hard to hear can you briefly explain what you asked and what her answer was to you yeah, so one of the questions I had was RICO cases, this criminal enterprise in Georgia, comes with a mandatory sentence, right? So if the former president is indicted, he would have to serve time in some way. What I asked was whether that could be serviced by probation, whether the former president might not have to go. And yeah, no king shaming. Behind bars. And DA Willis said this is not serviceable. You live by in probation. sexual anarchy. So if he is convicted, could be potentially actually spending time behind bars and that could be a very you know real possibility depending on how these proceedings oh my out. god then get up here excellent reporting thank you so much for bringing us your perspective and great job out there today so th this issue and we talked about it earlier in the evening but i think as we approach midnight i think we need to talk about it again and that is unlike federal cases unlike this i've got very needy cats in case you can't tell this will be unique in the sense that it can and will be televised, that people will be able to see the evidence. and they The revolution will be, will be televised. Room, and they will be able to see the former president and all those other defendants who will be in this room at the same time. Yeah, and I, I want to touch on that. First, I do want to mention, you mentioned the defendants here. Um, you heard the district attorney, Fonnie Willis, say it. I think it's imperative that we repeat it here as well. An indictment does not mean guilt. An indictment merely means that grand jurors, a majority of them, believe that there's probable cause that a crime was committed. This is a serious moment. I love it you so much, but we go through this all the time. State. I'm but doing in something. In a lot of ways, I think we can be most well-read and we can be the smartest we can about this case if we see this more as a starting point than an ending point. This marks the what will likely be a long march towards trial. And that trial, Jeff, as you mentioned, all odds point to will be televised. Is it uh, the revolution will be televised as the old line goes, right? I just uh, said that. Let me ask you this as well. Is it in the benefit? Well, the, the line is actually uh, the revolution will not be televised. Sooner rather than later. Who has an advantage here if it is delayed X number? Just to be clear, but I, I was riffing on it. Ask when she hopes to have her case go to trial, especially because we know there are three other cases out in uh, across the country now naming former President Trump as a defendant, and she. I love cottage cheese. Said, 
effectively, I, she doesn't care if she, she goes first. She doesn't care. I can eat cottage cheese by itself. I love cottage sure cheese on a salad with like some bacon in it and shit. Non-answer, uh, of course. It's gonna I be dig some cottage cheese in a lasagna. Are we, missing now? Are we missing anything else right now that we haven't touched on in your estimation? You know, I think the I think the best lasagna is like half cottage cheese, half ricotta. Noon on August 25th to present themselves here in Georgia. I think that's a little over. It is nice to see him finally pay for all the crime that he's done. Turn themselves in. Are we going to see some type of raids? I think that would be uh, highly surprising. Yeah. That would be fucking cool. Named as defendants here, but uh, at least as far as the former president is concerned, in all three of his other cases, he has voluntarily appeared at the date and time he was asked to appear. Um, I think he's kind of got to because they're going to coordinate with the Secret Service. Court order to appear. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. I, I love cheese. Through the indictment to help you understand these charges, we have I mean, pretty much any kind of cheese you can give to me. Minutes to sixty minutes, and at the beginning of the I love this cat so much, but he's very charges against all of the defendants. So we're going to bring in our very own Ron Jones to explain. Ron Jones, the pour through here, right? We're talking about ninety-seven pages, forty-one charges, nineteen people. We're going to try to make this RICO case into chunkables for everybody to understand. So there are eight. <laughs> Junkables. So the first two making false statements and trying to influence state lawmakers and other high-ranking officials like Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Then they cite creating a false electoral group. That would be the faked elector scheme. Now, the case also includes the harassment of Fulton County election workers as well, one in particular. And the Rico case also says that the scheme included trying to solicit the Department of Justice, Vice President Mike Pence as well. The indictment also talks... Yeah, but the Secret Service is under... Biden now. has been making our headlines here in Georgia quite often, alleging the unlawful breach of election equipment. And the final point, which is really important here, that not only did the defendants try to sway the election, but they also attempted to cover... Trump will pay for his own lawyers. ...this indictment, learn a lot more information about the details of this case against the former president, the fake electors, the Trump allies as well. And as you've been hearing all night long, investigative reporter Zach Merchant and his team are digging through all the details details are going to continue to dig through that 97 page indictment and we posted the full document on our website 11alive.com guys it's a lot to get through ron a thank lot. you so much for taking sure. the time to break it down for us and thank you ron again, you can read this full indictment for yourselves we have it posted right now at 11alive.com uh, and first we want to get back out to our caitlin ross she is standing by live for us we just saw that press conference wrap up inside of the courthouse Caitlin, it's all yours. Give us some observations, some thoughts as you listened in on the news conference from the district attorney. Well, Jeff and Faith, it was real divided attention. Everyone was trying to listen to what DA Fonnie Willis was saying while also trying to read that indictment. 98 pages long, a lot of information. Yeah, four of his lawyers are charged in this case. so much to go through. And I think people had one ear on that, one eye. You probably, probably don't want to use a Trump lawyer. 
I've they don't have the best track record. Who said, listening to D.A. Willis's timeline, gosh, what's happening in six months? The you legislature is back in session. Already one legislator indicted in this 98-page indictment. So isn't the timing of this going to be interesting in the state of Georgia? This is what everyone is going to be paying attention to, not only just tomorrow. In it's going to be smack dab in the middle of the Republican primary if it's six months from now. On the upcoming election, we're going to be hearing a lot of breakdown about what this all is going to mean going line by line through that. And that's why I think it's been so interesting listening to Zach tonight, getting his legal perspective on what these things mean. We know that RICO is a difficult thing to prove. We know DA Fannie Willis brought in a special counsel specifically to look at that RICO charge and to try and break down how all like of these elements could be connected, which news? is the most important thing you have to and, prove and to then, bring that like, RICO charge. She's been working on this investigation for two and a half years. And I think you heard that punctuated in her news conference. She was very clear. She was very that concise. Buddy. She was really hitting those points. That's what it is. He he, wa he wants me to past two and a half years. come lay on the couch so he can chill with me. That out tonight. He's like, it's, it's, it's time. When we were first talking about this, we thought we were going to be hearing on Tuesday or Wednesday of this week about an indictment. That's what I was figuring. I was thinking Tuesday. And certainly would have checked out, right? So let's do a few stories here. Rapid, rapid stories. Uh, so we were in the middle of doing uh, Atlanta's preparing for Trump indictment. And then, you know, we turned out to be on indictment watch. Trump co-conspirators are already starting to turn on each other. It is the please don't put me in jail, put the other guy in jail strategy, says one attorney working in Trump's legal orbit. Uh, Jack Smith's latest indictment of Donald Trump isn't yet two weeks old, but the alleged co-conspirators it identifies are already beginning to turn on each other, and some of them aren't even being subtle about it. A number of the ex-president's chief lieutenants and alleged co-conspirators in a plot to overturn the election such as conservative attorney John Eastman, have insisted the effort was perfectly legal and based on sound evidence. Others, however, have recently sought to distance themselves from the efforts of, of others, implicitly heaping the blame for any potential crime or criminal conduct onto fellow participants in Trump's attempted coup. Attorneys for veterans of Trump's post-election activities like Rudy Giuliani and Kenneth Cheesebro both of whom have been identified among the six unnamed co-conspirators in the most recent federal indictment of Trump, are now casting blame towards others on the campaign's legal team or people close to the then-president. Giuliani and his lawyer are now openly trashing and blaming the crackpot alleged activities of Sidney Powell. They're trying to make Sidney Powell the fall woman? Oh my god! He's already sent fundraising emails. Of course he did. He has also uh, attacked Fannie Willis, as well as attacking the judge in the January 6th case. Oh shit, hold on. Gots to get a different browser.
so much for doing it fast. Trump attacks federal judge overseeing the January 6th case just days after she slapped him with a protective order and warned against using inflammatory language. This happened on Friday. Trump quoted the judge while she was sentencing January 6th defendant. Judge Tanya Chutkin warned Trump on Friday against witness and intimidation. Trump called the judge biased and unfair. Will he be reprimanded for this? Will he have his bond revoked? Will he be locked up? Uh, I'm going to save those for tomorrow. For tomorrow. Kansas newspaper raid. The uh, Kansas newspaper got raided. We're going to have to talk about that tomorrow. I'm going to do that tomorrow because I want to spend some time on it. Uh, mysterious plume. Let's do What the fuck was this mysterious plume? Oh, hold on. Different browser. Five people killed in a mysterious plume. ...is now underway outside of Pittsburgh. A massive explosion and fire rocking a neighborhood. At least five people were killed, several others hurt. Three homes completely leveled. The blast and fire leaving only rubble behind. Debris damaging a dozen nearby structures. The Red Cross and Salvation Army stepping in to help those who are now displaced. Details from ABC's Jacqueline Lee. Tonight, with five people now confirmed dead, there are growing questions about what caused a deadly explosion in a Pittsburgh suburb. Officials say gas was not to blame. Wow. Wow! Affiliate WTAE doorbell video capturing the moment this home exploded Saturday morning, leveling three homes and damaging at least a dozen others. It's alerted Rustic Ridge Drive, Brookside Drive, the airport of uh, multiple people buried under debris of at least one surviving. AE doorbell in a Pittsburgh suburb. Officials say gas was not to blame. A homeowner provided our affiliate WTAE doorbell video capturing the moment this home exploded Saturday morning, leveling three homes and damaging at least a dozen others. It's alerted Rustic Ridge Drive, Brookside Drive, the airport of uh, multiple people buried under debris of at least one surviving victim. All you requesting fire department step up. First responders rushing in. Remnants of homes are scattered throughout the area. Cars now charred, debris surrounding this children's playground. I can remember what these houses look like. Like, I'm shaking. Like, I know what they looked like before, and now it's this, and I just can't believe it. It's unreal. Three residents were hospitalized. One remains in critical condition. Lindsay, 18 fire departments responded. Five people now confirmed dead. There are growing questions about what caused a deadly explosion in a Pittsburgh suburb. Officials say gas was not to blame. A homeowner provided our affiliate WTAE doorbell video. Any guesses? I don't think that's a meth explosion. That's like a fucking bomb going off. Video capturing the moment this home exploded Saturday morning, leveling three homes and damaging at least a dozen others. It's alerted Rustic Ridge Drive, Brookside Drive, the airport of uh, multiple people buried under debris of at least one surviving victim. All you requesting fire department step up. 
first responders rushing in. Remnants of homes are scattered throughout the area. Cars now charred, debris surrounding this children's playground. Spooky, please. Look like. like I'm shaking, like I know what they looked like before and now it's this and I just can't believe it, it's unreal. Three residents were hospitalized. One remains in critical condition. Lindsay, 18 fire departments responded. 57 firefighters were treated on scene for minor injuries. Officials say the investigation could take months, if not years. Lindsay. So mysterious. Jacqueline, thank you. Hi, everyone. Get out, George Stephanopoulos. You know, here's here. Let's do this. Want to check in? Let's see what. Uh, found a Fox News live feed. I guess they're not always live on YouTube. Well, shit. You can check in on Fox and see what they're... But it's storming here again. No, I better get out of here because it is storming. The uh, puppy on the fridge. That's not puppy on the fridge. What a wild night it's been. Happy, happy indictment, buddy. Your fourth time tonight. Oh, I bet Twitter is a shit show. God damn, it sounds like it's a shit show out there. How, how are you not fucking somewhere? Smokey doesn't... Smokey disappears when it's... Storm. Yeah, tend to my cat. All right. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin. See you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol. Live.